I'm going to give you, you the grand entrance here. This is going to be great. Check it out. Oh, great. What the f*** is going on down there? Hello, everyone. Welcome to WTF at TFW 589, uh, a special episode that I am calling Aeronautics and Transformers. This episode is evergreen. This episode is going to be about science and engineering and how it relates to Transformers. In order to, to facilitate that, I have brought in the person I know who knows how make, how, how make airplanes, uh, Graham Slayer Shoop, who's been on the show before. Hello, Graham. Hello, and I wouldn't necessarily say make airplanes, because the last ones I made didn't turn out so hot. He, he makes airplanes, he grows them. He's yep. an airplane grower. Uh, yeah, not enough sunlight on the last batch. You know, it happens, the weather's weird. Grant, what, just for, for the folks, uh, what is your aeronautic background? Uh, so, uh, I am a pilot and an aircraft mechanic. I'm an aircraft mechanic by trade and a pilot by hobby. Hmm. I was taking a sip of a drink because I'm a podcast host by hobby and by yeah. trade, apparently. Uh, so, uh, yes, uh, pilot hobby, building plane bits, engineering, etc. cetera, uh, trade. So that's that's where part of our expertise is going to come from. However, I've also called in a favor with uh, with one Aaron uh, Axe Smith. You might remember him from this entire podcast. And uh, he's here to represent the helicopter side of the aeronautic industry, uh, which I believe he's, he's actually pivoted into a full career. But um, Aaron, uh, why hey. don't you tell the folks uh, your aeronautic background and your helicopter aeronautic background? Um, engineering at Purdue University. That's like the first and most recent man on the moon came from Purdue's aeronautical engineering program. So I've got that lineage. And then I currently work as a subcontractor basically for Sikorsky helicopter. It took me a second to process the first and most recent and I got really sad for a second. Yeah, it, it makes me sad every time, but it is true. <laughs> I keep forgetting like you just assume, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> like yeah, we're still going to the moon because that's the thing that man does and hasn't for like sixty. Like they years. they did it they did it when like we could barely even make a car go. So I mean obviously oh yeah. yeah. You know, uh, my phone has many times the calculating power that they use to get there, and we should yeah. be able to... Oh, that's right. We, we hey, worked on the phone. <laughs> it's coming soon, though. Theoretically. It's the gateway program. <laughs> Theoretically. It's coming soon. <laughs> Theoretically. And then Elon's just going to say, eh, whatever, I stopped on the way to Mars. <laughs> uh, on top I, of my atrocious labor practices. Oh, oh, wait, wait. I shot a car. Uh... <laughs> So I have us a little topic list here, and uh, I will say, by the way, in case, like, I, I, I doubt that any more powerful um, meeting of the minds of aeronautics could possibly be listening to this podcast, but I didn't, like, come up with essay questions and give everyone, like, a week to, to figure out a very long and well-researched answer. This is going to be a little bit, you know, just, like, uh, firing the excrement, as we call it, but uh, I thought it'd be fun to have a conversation about Transformers based on a very relevant industry, and you know what? As of this recording, they recently revealed a Top Gun crossovers F fourteen F fourteen. Yes, transport is that what it is? The fourteen. Yep. It's, yeah. it's made made by Copenhagen Hummingummer or whatever. Uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, so so you know, airplanes and transformers, I think, are a very specific, long running topic in that. 
when an airplane looks good, it's hard to make it turn into a robot that looks good and vice versa. Um, I'm sure while we're talking, we're going to end up also just talking about Macross because honestly, who's put in more work trying to make airplanes that work as robots than than Shoji Kawamori? Funny because um, I was going to mention that whether you brought it up or not. I mean, you, like you you have to right? Like even the Jetfire yep. thing aside, no one else has done that much work of like mm-hmm. trying to make fuselage oriented line art actually turn into a biped um and, and convincingly too oh yeah and 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 obviously transformers doesn't have to worry as much about the realism side but it is cool when when realism enters into things because the toys have to f- still facilitate realism at least as far as mass um mm-hmm. they're they're trying they're they're getting real good at making mass just disappear as we've talked about many times over the years but um just to kind of kick this off, what I was thinking is on the on the positive end. This is this is for the optimists uh, everywhere. Uh, on the topic of an aircraft turning into a hidden alien robot, if if that happened, what would work in its favor at all? Like, is there any kind of it, with the way aircrafts work? Is there anything about an aircraft changing shape that would play nice with aeronautics in any way? Like, aircrafts have moving parts, like landing gear. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, you know, the the F fourteen at this this Maverick is kind of a transformer in and of itself. Uh, the F fourteen hmm. has sweep wings, so mm-hmm. it can change the the aspect ratio to be better at low speeds or better at high speeds or or all of that stuff. So it kind of is a transformer in and of itself. If you're going for that, if you're talking yeah, about yeah. into bipedal robots, that's like so. Yeah, I think the other thing we got to take into account, too, is, like, what aesthetic of Transformers are we going for? Because if it's the movies and they can just cheat, like, that would work a lot more in their favor than if we're going for, say, like, a G1 aesthetic, which is very blocky, and blockiness does not lend itself to aerodynamics all that well. How Uh, much super technology magic can we get away with? Because, like, a military jet, there's not a lot of spare space in that thing. If you're talking about, like, a jumbo jet, it's a flying aluminum tube there's plenty of space to fold mass into or fold mass out of you have to define the terms of your initial statement sir and then if we're talking about aluminum too like a a giant robot made out of aluminum probably not going to stand up to a whole lot of combat all that well i think that already reveals that like this is more nuanced because because one one thing that always kind of runs through my mind when i think of these kind of topics is how when i see the discussion on a message board most of the time it's incredibly binary it's well an airplane's always going to have under junk or if it doesn't have underjunk, the robot's skinny. And that doesn't make sense either way, because how would you fit a robot in an airplane? And like you're saying, like there are, you know, jumbo jet versus fighter jet, for instance, a VTOL right. jet mm-hmm. versus like a water ski jet. Um, so I, I would say the, the main baseline rule is be they movie or G1 or anywhere in between, Transformers are made of space metal, so we don't have to worry about the actual robot being made of aluminum. Uh, mm-hmm. they're, they're made of space, met- like, like they're made of robot skin that can apparently just mimic any given material, uh, anti-gravity on a- thrusters or something in there. So they don't have to have real <laughs> engines in there. It's like, nah, it's this little puck. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. There's clearly thrusters because, you know, you have transformers with jet heels, like exhaust in the heels and they can float around like that. So it's like space, it's space fairing boosters are usually a factor, uh, cause they seem to often fly around in space quite happily. Um, I think that if it's going to be movie versus something else, to me, it's going to end up being kind of the same because the movie bots, um, can cheat in that, like the thing can just like 
plate and plate and layer plates on top of each other over and over again. The G1 guy is like borderline. Like, let's just take a look at Starscream. Starscream basically has to morph to some degree to go from having blocky legs that turn into a sleek um, rear half of a jet, for instance. Mm-hmm. So they both cheat in their own ways that I think on a tech level you could say is the same thing. The The movie robots let you see the lines in between the panels. The G1 robots do it on like a cellular level. Right. Uh, and I think I think the big advantage that the movie verse has is they don't necessarily have to be humanoid shaped either. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you could play with mass a lot more easily in that than you could in the very humanoid centric other universes of Transformers. Yeah, like like movie Starscream's the classic one, right? Like I always felt like his design uh out like outside of um the part where a lot of people want him to look like a Starscream. Once you get over that after like 6 years literally, it's like he, his design I thought was really cool in that he is a jet that is turning into a kind of bird person. And by turning into a bird person, it means they don't have to worry as much about making whole limbs come out of the jet because he could just have these very, um, you know, bird-like legs and have more mm-hmm. of the jet mass form his upper body and his arms. Yeah, when when you're not constraining yourself with an entirely humanoid shape, then you can at least, like, you can have that, you know engineering discussion back and forth of like hey the 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 jet would work a whole lot better if we just you know shorten the the forearms by 10 percent and away you go yeah and the humanoid shape is extremely inefficient aerodynamically so you're already throwing that in on top of oh and now it has to transform from this aerodynamic thing mid-air into this extremely inefficient aerodynamic thing that's shaped like a human. Yeah. And, you know, you, you run into all sorts of issues. I, I was going to bring up the big advantage that being a Transformer as opposed to a suit that transforms to an airplane is that an alien does not have to figure out the locomotion systems, the balance systems, the equilibrium in it, because that's a very difficult thing to do. That's why you don't see very many humanoid robots these days, is because it's very difficult to get a machine to figure out how to balance itself on limbs. So mm-hmm. if you're an alien that transforms into an aircraft and you already have that ability built into you, so to speak, then you know that's at a huge advantage. Yeah, it's like, you know, like the learning of, like, like if you try to think, oh, how did I learn how to walk without falling over? And, like, you can't remember. And right, I, I exactly. would assume that that works the same for Transformers. Like, as far as going at, say, like, Mach 1 and then turning into a biped and landing, you know, yeah. like, it's probably, probably that does require training. But, like, going from a high speed in one shape and changing shape without, uh, you know, getting, cart- going cartwheeling through the air. <laughs> completely out of control is probably just part of natural equilibrium uh well, there's assume. also the there's also the stresses it puts on the pilot as well because if you mm. think about like how you're going yeah. from percentages yeah. 100 to zero instantly <laughs> when you're transforming <laughs> and uh you're just gonna have a puddle of goo sat there in the cockpit that's what i do i do really like about kawamori's um designs especially as the years went on is that the cockpit is always like kind of just moving into a central spherical location Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. one would imagine is just surrounded by like grav inhibitor type stuff or like motion inhibitor things, like stuff. To, yeah, to prevent the pilot from just turning into paste, just sci-fi oh, yeah. cushion gel that they also have to breathe <laughs> in order to equalize pressure inside the lungs as to not become chunky salsa. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I think I think the one that handled it most realistically in regards to current technology is Frontier because they had those secondary power suits on inside mm. the cockpit, and you know we we have the technology to at least lessen the forces on people right now. That's mm. what you hear about pressure suits for fighter pilots and that kind of thing, and that's why you know the Blue Angels and Thunderbirds pilots have. Uh, would say a higher level of talent than the other ones is because they don't wear that pressure suit and so they have to train their body to resist the g-forces and that kind of thing but if you have a suit to do it inside the cockpit then you know that makes it more plausible than not yeah and and obviously like when it comes to transformers the other thing that's helpful is that there's still you know often a very nebulous sense as to like what the nervous system is going through when they change shape and the easiest assumption is that it's not traumatic whatsoever uh, yeah, like you have, you know, you have Transformers fiction where Transformers half transform even like it obviously is painful to half transform like you could think of that as a muscle cramp. But mm-hmm. yeah, like like it's it's one of the that's one of the nice things about Transformers in a way like I, I do wish, you know, it's been brought up many times. I do wish that there was in some fiction like a super deep dive into the the, you know, tech biology of what's going on. Uh we get bits and pieces, but uh, yeah, for for an air, for an aircraft transformer, I think I think the other thing you guys mentioned that that is worth bringing up is that as far as the realism of the mass, it is kind of interesting that yeah, like a, a jumbo jet or a cargo carrying aircraft could actually fe- like feasibly get away with it the most if you just imagine that there's actually no cargo space in there. Yeah, like, uh, and I mean even if not too, because you look at something like the Antonov two two five or one two four, depending on how big you want your aircraft, and even even with the empty space on the inside, there's a lot of space that you don't necessarily see as a crew member. That if we're getting into you know alien super organisms here, that could be formed out of all of that mass that you don't see, you know, all of the inside bits, not including the cargo compartment. Because you think about it, like the the Antonov aircraft, they have built-in cargo crane systems on the inside, and there's a huge cargo compartment, there's also a crew compartment, but then you think about, like, how much mass is in the wings, how much mass Mm. is in the skin, how much mass is in between the two decks and yeah. in between the inside and the outside, like something like that. You could still form a pretty decently huge robot out of that without actually having to utilize any of the interior yeah. space being lost. Yeah. When some of those aircraft are large enough that they have like gangways up the inside of the tail or to get <laughs> to the second flight deck level, um, it gets, it gets big. Yeah, and I mean, thinking back into much older technology of the Spruce Goose, uh, there, the wing was so tall in that thing that you could stand up and walk down almost the whole length of it because Howard Hughes was so fanatical about control that he had mixture controls behind each engine instead of all of them being centralized up in the cockpit. So there was a guy behind each engine cool. when that thing <laughs> flew the one time. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. and funny story about that is the escape route for the guys in the wings was an axe at the end of the wing that you just hacked your way through the wing and <laughs> dropped out. Yep. <laughs> So is there anything else uh, on, like, a positive end you guys could think about as far as, like, aircrafts turning into hidden alien robots specifically? So I think the whole concept of stealth force from the movies would really lend itself well to them as well. 
Oh yeah. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's especially if you know you didn't have to go full humanoid shape all the time. Like if you're in a dogfight with another alien transforming organism, then being able to pop out parts of you that you need and disturbing the airflow as little as possible uh, would lend itself very well to it. So I think you know stealth force as a concept would work very well with this, as opposed to having to pop your entire insides outsides every time. Hmm. Yeah, like, like kind of going back to what was said about how the F-14 could move its wings, it's like, you know, moving parts on, on aircraft is a feasible, actually existing thing. Like, you know, not huge amounts of them, I'm guessing, but, you know, a, a physical motion of something happening is, right. is in existence. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe the more fun topic to bounce into off of this is what would go wrong if an aircraft turned into a hidden alien robot? I'm imagining that there's lots of reasons why that would probably go really badly as far as as a realism take without putting all the uh, the alien tech into the like if you had people in it, (laughs) for example. Yeah, I was just gonna say G1 Silverbolt and leave it at that. I mean, technically, like what that whole nose cone at least the front nose cone half worth of seats would just it'd be on his back, like everyone would get flipped around. about what is it three quarters of the 360 i can't remember the number 270 degrees yeah that's math (laughs) yeah like that that would probably be rough i was gonna say the entire meat slash metal slab that's sitting underneath the airplane that's supposed to be a sleek supersonic airplane and that definitely is not so that's the thing what would happen if someone made an airplane that also just had one of those robot part boxes slapped on the bottom like what, what are we thinking as far as if that tried to fly if you've got a giant slab underneath you know there's always the anecdote which applies to the f4 phantom of add thrust make it fly but like that only works so much because physics is a thing so, so you've got like, a giant eh, i mean how, just how do really rockets fast. work even more thrust <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, we're talking about in atmosphere, though, right? Because, like, rocket power will get you so far. It won't get you a whole lot in maneuverability, but it will get you a lot of straight line speed. Oh, yeah. To bring that to Again, we're talking about space robot magic technology, though. Yes. Yeah, yeah, but I'm also saying, like, like, could a plane work if it was a Starscream toy with a big block on the bottom? And what would happen if someone just tried to fly one of those around like a hotshot, you know, ace? I mean, it, we, we would have to discuss how much of a big block it would be. Because, like, the new movie Masterpiece Starscream, like, that size block might work if you cleaned up uh, yeah. all the jagged edges a little more. But if we're talking, like, Combiner Wars or even classic Silverbolt, then, like, we're we're getting into a different ballpark there. Hmm. I, yeah, I'm thinking. I'm even thinking, just like Earthrise Starscream. He has a torso hanging out underneath. Hmm. I, given that that's mostly hollow, uh, y- y- you'd have an easier time of it, especially if you went into oh, alien robot got much more thrust and efficient engines than human mm-hmm. one. Hmm. So a yeah, so, little little bit of force field just makes yeah. an aerodynamic shape around it. <laughs> Make it actually blown, that blown that's... air flaps are a real thing. I've never you just heard blow someone air say and that. Make it work. I, I yeah, never, I, it chronoplans. There you go. <laughs> I've never heard the force field idea, but honestly, that would really feasibly end nicely the whole conversation mm-hmm. about like every time there's a plane with undercarriage uh, in Transformers toys, you go like, yeah, well, force field rounds it off. 
There yeah. you go. And I mean, there's there's also the other thing too of like it it doesn't necessarily have to work like an Earth airplane does. Mm. Like if you think about it in terms of like how spaceships work, where they've got smaller thrusters all over it to be able to control its direction. And at that point, you know, the need of aerodynamics is much less, especially if you have alien organism, much better and more powerful thrusters than human ones, then, you know, the needs of aerodynamics is lessened. It's not gone. It's just Mm -hmm. lessened. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cause really to me, the biggest, the biggest conversation about like uh, transformers planes, as far as like negativity is, it's always that block underneath, like, especially when it comes to just the toy talk, um, right. people, yeah. people seeing the block and going like, ah, oh, that block. And, and the toy talk is just toy design and right. like, that's what you got to do. Cause we don't have crazy physics to and I mean, make it work. There's, there's ways you can get rid of it when you're clever and ignoring a toy budget. Right. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. like even, even within Hasbro and Takara Tomi, you look at like Teradive for instance. Yeah. And that has, pretty much no under kibble to it and still forms a humanoid like robot so it's not saying it's completely uh impossible but like you know realizing that hasbro and takara tomi and to an extent third-party companies too are constrained by a budget which a actual alien organism would not be yeah yeah i was gonna say that like like for the starscream's always the easy, easiest example because he's basically a dude made out of blocks who turns into a, a jet which inherently is kind of messy uh it's happened in toys where you just have all the blocky parts flip 180 to reveal a rounded part so you yeah his his robot mode is full of round curved parts and they all basically flip inside out when he turns into a jet and you've got a a curvy jet Uh, well and typically you don't see this on mainline transformers too but like on some third party ones like the unique toys uh megatron it's like you know you can split limbs in half you can do all sorts mm-hmm. of things to make the profile of something humanoid shaped much smaller in a vehicle mode than it would be you know in their robot mode mm-hmm. yeah like like um the the, the under block is obviously like a big part of of this kind of conversation another one though is like you know, even taking into account like the part where you know an alien robot would kind of train the reflex uh macross is always one i look to when i think about this an airplane is going forward as an airplane does and then tries to turn into a biped like Macross seems like it's kind of the way to do it. Like in animated Starscream pulled the Macross trick pretty much in his stock footage where you yeah. deploy, you deploy counter thrusters basically that are the legs. Uh, so this is where we get into the feasibility of it being a human piloted machine to which I think the Gerwalk mode of Macross would be the most feasible and likely way we would implement that if ever we were to, which that's a whole different conversation. But mm-hmm. uh, being able to pop out limbs while still keeping the general shape of the aircraft is the way that that would have to go if it were not an alien organism. But uh, getting back to if an alien organism were transforming at full speed of whatever speed it's going, you, you still have the laws of drag. And yeah. so even mm-hmm. if they weren't trying to slow down just because of physics, they would slow down and probably tumble unless they, you know, instinctively countered that movement while they were transforming. I I wonder sometimes if that's why... 
I feel like at least I, I I didn't really look this up, but I always feel like airplane transformers tend to do little spiral moves while they're transforming in midair. Like does would that, that would looks that, cool? It looks yeah. cool, but I wonder I mean, if that's so also it'd come like to, if you were something like a conventional aircraft, you'd come to. Like, if as they're transforming, they lose their thrust, you're going to continue on some sort of arc. It's not like, you know, always the thing that's, that very few space sci-fi gets right is, oh, no, we lost the thrusters, and then you see them come to a stop. It's not how that works. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Sir Isaac Newton's still doing his thing out in space. Um, in atmosphere, you've got gravity and drag against you. So, yeah, if they if their jet thrusters end up as their feet, the moment that they're transforming, doing their backflip or whatever, they would, you know, drag slow them down, gravity bring them down until they get their legs underneath them and can then, like, levitate thrust. Iron Man right. style. So, mm-hmm. like, that would be a thing like that if it really was. Yeah, because, and, and they've still got the uh, the wings and the top, usually at least, the wings and the top surface shape of a plane on top of those legs. And, like, for some reason, like, to me, it always makes sense to see them, like, kind of pull a, a spin move. Because I'm like, yeah, if, if a plane's mm. moving forward <laughs> and it starts changing shape, Although, because the way aerodynamics works is a layman, to my understanding, is it's it's air going over those curved, or over and under those curved surfaces. Yes, so, the yeah. principle. Yeah, so if those surfaces started to, like, break up and kind of twist around, they're still curved surfaces for a second. I'd assume you'd have a ton of air, like, moving in, in the kind of... I'm thinking, like, a web way, sort of. Not a web, literally. But, like, it would be a lot of different micro-air paths now going over um, a lot of different little surfaces. I think a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with where the limbs are coming from on the plane too. Yeah. Uh, so, for instance, if you've got your arms and the wings, then you know they would have to probably maneuver themselves one way. If the arms are coming from the fuselage, another way, or if they were coming from the nose cone, another way. So, to realistically have that, for lack of a better term, flourish when they transform at speed in midair, it would really depend on where everything's coming from. Mm. And um, I, I do want to say also, like, we were talking about planes a lot, uh, not to, like, bring back the old topic, but, like, how much of this stuff would apply, I'm assuming that this is a very different conversation now, if we were talking about helicopter transformers, like like my boy Dropkick, for instance, <laughs> like, what happens? <laughs> Hel- helicopters only fly because they're ugly and repulsed by the ground. Yeah. <laughs> so the moment that you stop looking like a helicopter, you just get sucked towards the ground. So, (laughs) in pilot training to be a helicopter pilot, you have to practice an engine out in helicopters. And helicopters, you know, planes, they still have the wings, so they can still glide to places. And depending on the glide ratio of the aircraft, you can get so far. Helicopters drop like a rock. I mean, there's ways that you can feather the collective to arrest that. So long as the rotor's still going, it's not quite like a rock. I'm, I'm more Mostly. talking about the experience I have with helicopters is reciprocating ones. So those things, unless you detach the rotor shaft, like that, that thing's dropping. 
Well, the, this is this is funny to me because I notice most of the time when a transforming robot who is a helicopter starts turning into a robot, like the first thing that happens is the rotor curls up into a V yeah. shape. So, so unless they got thrusters somewhere else, they're, they, they just go yeah. like. Ah! <laughs> they're they're a flying transformer. They have the magic thruster somewhere, anti gravity belt that allows them to just hover in place. Yeah, but but they yeah, don't, if we want to talk have... about. Well, I was just going to say, like, like jet transformers, because of the wings, it's like they kind of, you can piece together a process, like even in a kind of, you know, glossing over a lot of the science, you can piece together, it's an aerodynamic plane, and now it's kind of not, but it has kind of wings, so it could maybe kind of glide, and now it's a robot. So a helicopter would be its primary means of why it's not falling just folded up. Oops. And yeah. then it hits the Again, ground. Again, that's where we get into it's made out of transformium, which is actually uh, anti-gravity. The exact same <laughs> density as the local air, so it's naturally buoyant. So the <laughs> blades rotating is just part of the in disguise. I, I and, wonder if... And they just have small gas thrusters that lets them maneuver <laughs> as if they were a helicopter. I wonder yeah. if that's why, like, our boy Blackout, like, I don't remember him really transforming, like anywhere higher than about 10 feet above the ground i don't think he did <laughs> and yeah. maybe that makes sense is because it's yeah the moment yeah. he transforms he would just plummet and so he's gonna want to be like less than 20 feet off the ground because then at least it's not like he's falling that far relative to his height now this might be a hybrid but our boy 2007 movie incinerator that's a different story oh which one oh. was incinerator oh he's the uh the double helicopter thingamadoo yeah the v22 yeah where his arms are just the rotors. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he could just leave them in helicopter mode while the rest of the thing transforms. I'm assuming then, so if a helicopter is flying and everything except for the rotor changes shape, does the rotor care a lot? Well, it depends uh, on what kind of helicopter it is, because if it's a twin main uh, rotor design like that, then it should be fine. But if it's a main rotor and tail rotor design, and he puts the tail rotor away, unless yeah, he's got the, it sticking out the back, then, the, like, then, oh, yeah. then you have a bunch of torque. <laughs> yeah. That's that's why you need Sikorsky's, uh, Boeing Sikorsky's new uh, Defiant, where they're coaxial rotors. Oh, Do we're going to get that. on top of each other. <laughs> Aaron, I swear I will go off on Boeing, and we don't want the podcast to devolve into that. <laughs> where can I? Where can I get me one of those uh, in this our ad break moment uh, for all the folks who want to buy helicopter parts? Be a government <laughs> that wants to dump a bunch of money into the program instead oh. of buying healthcare and education. What? Yeah. So I just got to don't talk politics in the thread. Don't talk politics in the thread. Oh yeah, you're not allowed to talk about that in the thread. But uh, this nope, isn't the not thread. At all. Um, nope. <laughs> We so, have privileges. Well, I, I'm just thinking, like, uh, the, the tail rotor thing's actually pretty funny, because it's like, yeah, that kind of throws the whole idea off. But, yeah, Incinerator is, like, he's got those two rotors. They just stay there while all the stuff attached to them changes shape. And then by the time he's done that, he's probably fine to turn them off and just land. I or just keep hovering yeah. around holding his arms out. And just, like, bicycling his legs. <laughs> <laughs> It's like I don't know what to do from up here. <laughs> Come, Come, little coming air down, kicks. <laughs> uh, well, that gets that gets into the thing too, because like a lot of helicopter transformers tend to use their rotors as a weapon. Like, yeah. No. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's say. Okay. Let's say that I have a normal helicopter rotor and it's attached to my forearm. All right. What if I try to saw blade someone with that? What happens to the rotor? If it's made oh. out of human materials, it would snap. Well, d depends on the era. 
Yeah. Because you hear about uh, old Huey pilots in Vietnam that would uh, drop down into um, bamboo jungles slowly and basically cut their own landing zone with oh, those wow. rotors because they were wooden spar aluminum wrapped. Yeah, but and that's also so they were plant very, material. They were very robust to... and plant material. Yeah, now yeah. they're, I mean, they're stronger, um, like, on their long axis. Like, yeah, before it was just like, we're just going to make it dense and heavy. And yeah. as blade design has changed, wow, this gets into a place where I get to have a Transformers talk, but have to remember about classification and stuff. <laughs> right? um, <laughs> so, so before it was just like, you know, a wooden spar and you would have foam material and wrap it in aluminum and that would make your airfoil shape. Mm-hmm. Now they have um, aluminum or titanium hollow tubes and then use something like an aluminum honeycomb panel to make the shape and then just a few layers of composite material so like maybe carbon fiber or fiberglass or or a, a material such as that with a resin impregnated in it in order to give it the aerodynamic shape but makes it all as light and strong as possible in like the length dimension but because not for that's, combat <laughs> yeah but that's because that's where you're having to resist your forces but if something happens to those blades they'll peel there's um it was a national guard helicopter a few years ago had a delamination issue happen to it and one of the blades just lost all of its skin and then rapidly lost all of the honeycomb underneath it and they were able to land in a field and had to um, basically be trailered out. They had to to go out and take all the blades off of it, um, put it on a trailer, and schlep it out of there, and then put new, figure out why that happened, and then um, put new blades on it, and away they went. Delamination yeah, so incident sounds yeah. really like unremarkable, but also quietly very scary, just as a yes. phrase. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing about composite materials in modern aircraft, too, is, uh, you know, metal is predictable. Even in corrosion, points of stress, failure points, all of that, it's predictable. Composites are a lot more difficult to diagnose problems because the uh, technology to inspect it is not quite as far as metal inspection. So, like, you know, some of the smaller airplanes, like, for instance, a diamond, one of the ways to inspect for delamination is take a coin and tap in areas, and if it sounds different, it is different. Mm -hmm. Like, so... (laughs) Hey, back to my old construction life, that's actually how you test concrete on bridges is you have about a 10-foot-long length of chain, and you drag it behind you, and you listen for changes. Yep. And any place where it changes is because the the concrete has itself like separated from the bed underneath it, and then you come in with a piece of rebar or a hammer, and you tap around. Until, so when it goes from like a thunk-thunk to a tink-tink, you start to find the edges of everything. Yeah, because we don't have a better way to do it other than super expensive like X-ray platter beds or 
road size yeah road size ultrasound machines or the weird what was it jurassic park where they rolled up with the <laughs> thing that they mount in the ground and then fire off a shotgun shell at the ground and listen for the echo yeah, there's, there's all... kind of a solace though that i take in the idea that like the tech of drag a chain until it sounds different actually works because it means yeah. like you know if oh, the yeah. satellites come down we don't need them and our all our fancy tech to like make sure the concrete yeah. works i uh, mean there, it, I saw a very neat mechanics trick the other day of somebody was trying to find a specific area in a in a uh, in a piece that was there was grinding coming from it, and so he had a like a wrench extender, mm-hmm. put one end of that um, on it on the the gearbox and put the other end of it on his ear and was able to move it around and use it like a, a stethoscope uh, that's fascinating because because that's just science yeah and it's well, <laughs> in its rawest form of like hey it transduces sound and so where it's noisiest is the closest to where the problem is that's why I, I think it's really funny that, like, most of the time when Transformers make noises, like, in G1, when they take steps, they sound so awful, because it sounds like a bunch, it sounds like a bag of light metal, like, lightly tapping on the floor, mm-hmm. uh, and then whenever, like, in other series, like, a human, like, goes tunk-tunk on a Transformer, it's, like, always a really hollow ringing noise, <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on in that poor thing's body <laughs> that, like, you can go tunk-tunk, and it's like, gong-gong, it's like, what's happening? It's it's the transformer bone marrow disease. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what the the marrow frequency is. What it <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah, there you go. I mean, get getting back on to uh, if they were to use their uh, rotor blades as weapons, it's like so. That's why a bird strike is so dangerous. Besides changing the aerodynamics of the airplane if it struck a wing or a control surface or something like that, the main bird strike test a plane has to pass is if it gets ingested into the engine or if it hits the prop blades. And they're designed on a normal airplane to shatter and go through the engine in small enough pieces that it doesn't completely destroy the engine. That's like like the drop (laughs) test for toys where it's like, it's Mm -hmm. fine if it shatters. The pieces just have to not be of certain dimensions. Also, I just want to say when when you're saying the bird strike test for the layman, I am assuming this means when a plane hits a bird. Literally, yes. Just in case yes. anyone's like thinking this is like some kind of like fancy pants. So thing. funny, <laughs> funny story about that is how they test it. They have an engine running and they fire a frozen turkey or chicken out of a cannon like into the, the engine job. while it's running. <laughs> Sounds like the best <laughs> job. I run the turkey. I run the poultry cannon. That's actually a Canadian. Um, oh, the boy. Okay. Any any air farce from the nineties folks out there know what I'm talking about. That's a, that's Canadian humor. Um. <laughs> But we like, had, there's we had, all sorts of footage of that. That's why the triple seven X was delayed for so long. Well, part of the reason <laughs> so they got carried was, away shooting can't like chickens at no, it because <laughs> the engine kept failing the bird strike test. Oh, okay. So someone's like, no, not yet. <laughs> Give me this multi million dollar test platform. I'm gonna fire more poultry at it. I brought a dozen because I just need this. Listen, uh, I cleaned the grocery store out. I'm going to do this one way or another. I just like the idea of, like, all I could get were the small Cornish game hints. Is that okay, or does it need to be... Can we, well, what if we just, just two at a time and not just, like, together, one? Twine four of them together into kind of, like, a, a shell of, of hens yeah. and into a great shot. What, what, what if we did it chain shot style? I take these two game hens, and I have four foot of sausage links. <laughs> 
I'm wondering uh, now, what would it, like, because, well, actually, no. I was about to attribute durability to sausage links that they don't have. That's, never mind, that's silly. Uh, I was like, what I mean, you, isn't that the entire point of this podcast? What Chris? if you hurled sausage links into an engine and then the casing didn't break? Would that just, tw- like, it would be like shooting webs into the engine, but webs made of pork intestine. I mean, the uh, casing would definitely break, because yeah. uh, mm-hmm. one, fir- one of the first things they show you in maintenance school is the aftermath of a guy getting sucked through an engine, because he tried, like, it sucked his hat off so he reached up to grab it and got sucked through and uh yeah the 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 casing would definitely break i'll just put it that way i figure if i can break the casing with a kitchen knife then an engine can probably break the case yeah yeah uh oh there so there's one other thing this is making me think of this is this is relevant but also actually just relevant to transformers cars when because whenever as a a little kid even this crossed my mind boy you getting into Uh, formula one you getting into my other thing not yet that's that's for another one that's for another one all right uh so when you have something like an engine like a thing that is spinning you know ostensibly more than 360 degrees at a time it never has to unwind itself it can just keep spinning one direction rotary engine yeah mm-hmm. imagine that being part of your biology like I, that mm-hmm. always kind of wigged me out as a kid when i thought about how like if i had wheels on me that were part of my body like they wouldn't uncoil like i can turn i can twist my arm a little bit for a little while but then i have to twist it back the other way like what if there was a part of your body that could be a rotary component like that and just like continuously spin, but still somehow be connected to your quote unquote. Do you know nervous how difficult system. it is to make rotary hydraulics work? I don't at like, all. I just assume you you, you get a rotary uh, in a box and you or just ask Mazda how uh, the last rotary engine went yeah. on the RX eight. So you mean you don't you don't just get the rotary box and then like build the casing around it and no. spray paint just, it on the inside? A, no. A, a, do you want to communicate Chris? D- data through something or electricity through something or hydraulics through something or anything through something that rotates it's yeah uh it's it's deep into nightmare territory i mean like fiber optics are bad enough because that's just a strand of glass that you fire an image through and if it gets like a speck of dirt or a scratch on it then that messes with the signal and like those are such a pain to inspect because you basically just stick this mini camera with a light on it that you look through down through the entire line and then oh! try and see what's wrong with it. That's mm-hmm. how the guy who checked the fire. I th- actually thought this was kind of fascinating because it didn't occur to me until he was doing it when uh, when they put fiber optic uh, into my building for the internet. The way the guy checked the connection is that he had one guy down on the, the ground floor and then like I'm I am many floors up from the ground floor. Uh, he sh- he just took a pen light. It looked like a pen light. And sh- yep. and aimed it into the socket in my my living room, and then the mm-hmm. guy on the ground floor like, oh, I see the light, and I was yeah. sitting there and I was like, what are you? Oh, and like yeah. light loss <laughs> test. Yeah, I was like, that's so straightforward, but also like kind of blowing my mind that like you can like shine a f- like basically a flashlight at a hole in the wall up here and see it down there. Um, that was one of my certifications at large aerospace company. That's where we remain unnamed for my sanity. Oh, you were the flashlight man for the fiber optics. That was one of my many jobs. <laughs> I made sure almost all systems in the airplane worked. Oh, that seems simple. No. It's not. (laughs) Especially on an airplane that has a predisposition to do many bad things. That's why it's currently grounded. Hmm. Yeah, you don't want you don't want airplanes with with weird brains uh that have trouble working uh flying around. Um, That's the sad thing, is like even 
my phone probably has more processing power than that 37 because they use really old computers because they're reliable, but the processing power is next to nothing on those. Yeah. So that, that was part of the reason that that thing has so many issues in it. And I'm not going to get into more of those because that's, that's something else. It is one of my favorite, like, like casual topics, the whole way that like the older the computer, the more reliable and unhackable it is to a certain degree. Uh, yeah yeah it's like it's neat but also it's kind of like like every now and then like even for like a payroll system once in the 2000s i saw one of those computers that was the black screen with green text on it yep and and i was like why is this the payroll machine they're like that's the payroll system and i was like okay (laughs) still part of that's still part of why uh much of the uh u.s and their uh dealings with um like checks and and dealing with accounts why they can withdraw cash immediately, but sometimes it takes as long as a week to get all of your money back after a refund or whatever, because it all still runs on systems from the seventies because nobody in the US wants to pay the like billions of dollars at this point that it would be to completely upgrade to modern toys. Yeah. yeah. Well, well and, and, and then the modern thing. well modern systems also come with that risk of like how secure are they actually well, the more pathways you have, the more vulnerabilities you have. So, like, on one of the other airplanes that large aerospace company made, they found a vulnerability in the onboard entertainment system that someone on board the aircraft could hack into it and then take control of any onboard system on the aircraft, which includes <laughs> navigation, flight controls, anything. Just by getting in the back door on the onboard entertainment system, so they had yeah. to patch that out. Those touchscreen <laughs> entertainment systems seem like the most rinky-dink operating systems I've ever seen, so that doesn't surprise oh, they're, me. Yeah. <laughs> they're straight-up Linux. Yeah. To to tell you how the sausage is made, uh, they are straight-up like a very old version of Linux that control like the lights, the onboard entertainment system in there, the environmental system, all that stuff, like the majority of those airplanes, it's a very old version of Linux, which is uh, hilarious. That would make one of my old comp site profs very happy. Kind of kind of bouncing around here a little bit. There, the one other, I had kind of three main topics, which is like what would work, what would go wrong. Uh, this one gets a little bit a little bit nerdier, and we haven't really been nerdy at all this podcast. We've been very no, professional, not at all, and, and yeah, mm-hmm. engineering wise. Uh, for you guys, because Aaron, I know we've had these conversations before about stuff like, you know, with, with you know, Blackout, for instance, uh, when Studio Series Blackout dropped and it was kind of like, oh, I want that because that's relevant to me. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to transforming toys, what titillates an airplane smith? Uh, specifically, like for you guys, like when you see Transformers or non-Transformers, even like Macross and stuff, is there ever a time where you see something that all, that specifically tweaks your aeronautic sense or your engineer sense in in relation to your actual job where you're like, oh, that's actually mm. really cool? So for me, like the pinnacle of Hasbro or mainline transforming robots is still Teradive. Like that yeah. thing, that mold to this day is still amazing the way that they were able to pull that off. And just the way that the fuselage folds up, uh, the way that it's a very, very clean alt mode, like, that's amazing. If we're talking Macross, then, like, the the 31, that 
that thing is, especially the DX Jagokin VF31, that thing is incredible, and I maintain still one of the best transforming toys that has ever come out. Oh, Just yeah. the way that it very cleanly deals with the arms, and the fact that it has separate panels that are solely there to clean up the aerodynamics of the arms, and uh, the way the fuselage folds up, and still keeps the pilot in a position where they're facing upright. Uh, everything about that, and the way it was designed... Like that, that is some top shelf design work on that thing. And it's also the DX31, uh, for those, like, if you want to look it up, the, basically the Macross Delta plane, the main one. Yes. Uh, that is a toy that I think any Transformers fan who likes jets should get a hold of because it also, it does all this stuff. <laughs> Good luck, though. And it's, well, yeah, there's also yeah. that. But, uh, <laughs> it does all this stuff and it's actually nice to handle, too. It doesn't, doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a fragile assembly of things and it looks like it should because, like, like, kind of to illustrate what he's talking about. One of the things I like about it, just as a total layman, is like not just keeping the cockpit central and upright, but also like you have, the back half swinging underneath in an arc and then the top half swinging overhand in an arc in a way that like visually to me makes sense. Like it feels like the plane is rearranging around a cockpit that is still moving at the same speed. The whole, like it's like the cockpit is, is if the cockpit's a bullet, it's not getting meddled with everything around it is moving around it. Uh, in a way that makes it feel like it, it feels like it makes sense. Um, I, yeah, I remember the first time I saw how the arms worked on that thing. I immediately went, well, I have to have that now. Yeah, the, I, the arms do a great trick to flatten that. And also, like, aside from hand swaps, like, no parts forming either. And the arms the yeah. arms do tr- a trick that any other toy would parts form. And somehow, oh, yeah. they, they don't have to. Well, that's the thing, too. Is like, even the weapon pod on that thing is well thought out to where it stays completely out of the way. Yeah. In jet mode, to where there's even panels that smooth out the aerodynamics of that weapon pod in jet mode, and then it swings up and uh, becomes available in robot mode in a very convincing way that, all things considered, for something that transforms like that, would not be too complicated of a mechanism, and complication adds weight in airplanes. Mm, oh yeah, yeah, and 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 I mean, if you if you look at what the robot mode for it or the Batroid mode looks like, the the other thing that 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 thing does so nicely is obviously it's a slim robot, but like it doesn't come off borderline skeletal, uh, right? And in a way that like you know, kind of touching on on that Top Gun Maverick figure, like they when people have been kind of dunking on the thing, I think one thing that doesn't help it is that it's it's not just slim, but like due to the visual effect of being kind of just one color mostly, it comes off looking like a naked thin skeleton uh, yeah. in in that robot mode. And the the thirty one like just skirts around that only just. It does not look bulked. It still looks right. very thin, but like just under Svelte. that line. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like a runner's build. Yeah, yeah which. Which, realistically, if you think about an alien transforming organism that transforms into a fighter jet, that's probably what it would end up looking like, is something very svelte. Because mm-hmm. you don't have a whole lot of mass to work with in a fighter jet, so if you're going to mm-hmm. transform into one, you know, naturally you're going to be of a smaller body type. The other thing I really like about the 31 as well is that if you go from jet to Batroid mode, the legs, which are the entirety of the propulsion on that thing, do not break up the entire time they transform. So realistically, you're not folding an engine in half to transform the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the like, those things are still like they're two separate thruster units 
that are attached to a knee joint, basically. Yeah. Um, the, I, I'd also want to say, actually, a lot of these qualities are why I don't really mind that Maverick thing as a concept, because, like, mm-hmm. uh, I saw it on Twitter. Oh, I think it might have been uh, Wasp Shot on Twitter was saying, like, that it makes more sense for Transformers to be thin when they're Jets. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of yep. it's kind of it's not unfortunate, but it is like I think that a lot of perception has been colored by the fact that for a lot of people, the first Jet Transformer is the Seeker design, which yeah. in a way makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, in a lot of different ways, um, in a way, yeah, in a lot I mean, of different ways. I don't know. I mean, the thing a lot of people don't realize is fighter jets are pretty stinking big. Yeah, but like they're tall, um, they're wide because of wingspan. But like, there's not a whole lot of mass besides like there, there's no girth to them. They are very much like panels shrunk wrapped to the necessary components and nothing more. Hmm. And that also, not to like jump back a little bit, but that the one other thing that just crossed my mind is like, that's part of why I like Blitzwings so much, is mm-hmm. that he's like he's like a MIG fighter that also then turns into a tank, and it's like, what <laughs> is going well, on? That that MIG is a hefty boy in real life anyway, so like if it's gonna be any jet fighter, that's a lot more plausible than others. Yeah. Yeah. Still, it's like like every like everything I've come to learn about you know the the aesthetic and the the heft of a jet is like it has nothing in common with a tank. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that's why <laughs> they I like tried Blitzwing to make so a much. flying tank at one point in World War II, and it didn't turn out so well. Did it actually get to fly? Nope. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it was a tank that they were going to make a glider. They said, "All right, we're going to have this tank, and it's going to have de- <laughs> detachable wings on it." So that we can glide it to where it needs to go, and so oh, that's it was neither. So, that's so logical too. Like mm-hmm. if you don't yeah. know anything, like that does. That's yeah. real good logic. Like I see it. Yeah. So <laughs> it was. It was a. It was a terrible glider because it has a tank strapped in the middle of it, and it was a terrible tank because the tank was so light that because it had to fly that it had no armor on it and then at one point they were like oh to make this fly better we'll just detach the turret so not only do they land in a combat zone in a flimsy tank but then they gotta get out and put the turret on the thing while presumably (laughs) under fire yeah and then go from there i was assuming that like the only test because it's a glider i thought the story is was so they pushed it out of a plane and it didn't glide and that was that (laughs) (laughs) No, they the test that they were gonna do was to tow it behind an airplane, and then like as soon as it gets on the ground, they like detach the wings. But then someone also came up with the all right. So what if the wings detach in midair? That thing ain't aerodynamic. <laughs> yeah. What if the tank just disassembles itself in midair? The wings come off. The turret comes off. Hey well, man, you think of, it, 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 that's that's also all in that fun like. World War Two. I don't know. Let's just try it. Just yeah, yeah. Look up anything Blom and Voss. Yep. Really, <laughs> a, a, asymmetric cockpit. Okay, we're going single engine aircraft. Okay, so you put it in line with the cockpit. No, you put the engine on one side and you put the cockpit on the well, other. Well, like a B wing. <laughs> yeah, kind not, of. Not, not no, quite. Not like the extent. Like just... of, not like the extent of the wing. But if you imagine like the whole length of the wing. And you go like forty percent down the way, you have an engine, and then twenty percent is like an interwing thing, and then you have like a forward mounted cockpit because you wanted the maximum pilot visibility, and then the remainder of your wing 
and then your the body of the aircraft comes off of the cockpit, but then it has like a a asymmetrical T tail in order to try and bring balance to everything. It sounds like something that just spins around and goes in circles. There you and... go. <laughs> no, that's, that's a di- oh. that's a different Blom and Voss one than I'm than the one I'm thinking of. But similar. But also, it illustrates the point. Yeah, yeah. yeah Graham just shared a photo, and it's like, okay, imagine a, a normal plane, but then you just stick a, a pile of junk on part of one of the wings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's that's the thing that's going to give some OCD people quite a bit of eye twitch, too. Because a lot of people don't realize this, but every single aircraft is asymmetrical. There is no airplane that is perfectly symmetrical. Yeah, <laughs> I did not know that. I, I yep. assumed that symmetry would be a, a more necessary... Th- oh, wow. Okay, so... in Okay, I don't know if this actually can be answered quickly, but if you could answer it quickly, why mm-hmm. is an airplane not symmetrical? So it's it really depends on the aircraft. A lot of them, it's because there's flight instruments on one side of the plane and different flight yeah. instruments on the other side of the plane. Yeah. For other planes, it's because you have, uh, like on single-engine propeller aircraft, you have what's called the P-factor or propeller factor, which is because it's spinning one way, you know, you have those forces acting so it'll pull the aircraft one way. So, for instance, there was an Italian fighter in World War II that one wing was longer than the other one to counteract that factor. So you didn't have to put in opposite control forces on the airplane to counteract the, the P factor in it. Mm-hmm. So, oh, man. yeah, the, there's yeah, all sorts of different they're, reasons. They're generally not as as bad as Blom and Voss. Like, I uh, mean, this thing looks like, like a that disaster. One he like, yeah. <laughs> like, this, this the looks funny like... thing is... Is it worked really, really well? That's the funny thing. Oh, it's crazy because I was gonna say this looks worse than what people call out on on airplane transformer underjunk. Like, th- <laughs> if this was a toy that was released and that was the alt mode, someone would be like, "Why is there an entire pod like just stuck next yeah. to the to fuselage? This is stupid. Couldn't they make it clean up better?" Uh, I'm I'm actually really happy that this one works because I kind of like it. Uh, <laughs> It looks like a mess, but I kind of like it. Like, because it's not just yeah. that there's like a lump on like one of the wings, but it's like even the friggin' tail fin is funny looking. Like, <laughs> everything about it looks like it should tilt over and like, or just tip over. Yeah, uh, if you go down the rabbit hole of really weird aircraft designs, there's there's some kooky ones out there. And I want to see a transformer <laughs> turn into this thing now, right? Like, you could do a lot, like. These like you could do a lot with that mass of that lump. Like that lump would actually kind of let you get away with a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. Man, they got we got to get this. We got to get this to to the to, to Mister Transformers to to make sure that he uh, he knows there's all these <laughs> other designs they could be doing that are not F14 derivatives. And uh, hopefully they don't exactly copy it because that was a plane used by Nazis. Yeah, you know, yeah. just just don't put the Iron <laughs> Cross on it. Like maybe to start. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe not the swastika on the tail either. Yeah, maybe, yeah, there, there's, there's another, another one. one. Oh, Aaron, that one is so weird. That just looks like someone built half the plane on one day and then really sleepily built the other half like two days later. If you notice, that's a trimotor. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Why are this two is the Blom and Voss BVP one one one? Can we just get like the Blom and Voss Studio Series? <laughs> I mean, we we had this conversation before, Chris, too, about Ekronoplons, those ground effect airplanes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, I want to see a transformer, one of those, specifically the Caspian Sea Monster. Yeah, 
Yeah, these are so <laughs> like these shapes are so cool, and and you know through that getting them to turn into a bipedal robot seems like it would be way more interesting than like how do we cram it all into the middle as it, as often is the case. Uh, <laughs> I want I, I want to swing back quickly here because because Aaron, I never actually got to you. Um, I know I like I know things that titillate your aircraft's um uh enthusiasm. <laughs> We've that thing is hilarious. <laughs> I actually <laughs> forgot about that one, Aaron. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm cheating. I'm using Reddit uh, r slash weird wings. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but Aaron, like, like you've obviously you've been real hyped to get a hold of like a Sikorsky helicopter uh, in Blackout. You you have a, a well documented love of the SR seventy one. Yeah, I, I I wear a piece of it all the time now. Yeah. So so I mean I, I guess like is there is there anything that, that jumps to your mind uh, outside of those two enthusiasms? I guess as far as like when it. Like, when it comes to the toy, I love the clean look. I mean, yeah, I like Blackout because that's a helicopter that I've signed drawings on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also very little kibble on it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, things of that nature. More so, to me, that's that design was done very well on it. Um, now, as far as aircraft that I like, other things that I like, you know, funky fun stuff... And in appearance is always highbrow, you know, highbrow. That's yeah. a good one. You know, um, even, um, oh shoot. What was the, uh, the scout biplane? Oh, ransack. Yeah. Ransack. Yeah. Ransack. Like, I was going to mention that too. That's a good ransack one. was cool. And he was pretty light on kibble, especially for yeah. being the, the super small size. Oh yeah. You know? Th- things like that are always where the, where where my chef's kiss comes in mm-hmm. um, just because it's, and again, that's more so um, just because of the like design iteration that it go into it versus just something that's neat mm-hmm. otherwise. And I always have an easier time liking Transformers that are flying objects when they just, like, full-on go sci-fi ship or craft mode. Because, like, then then you don't really worry about the underkibble so much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that I'm, it's always more believable than me, uh, than not for me when it comes to those kind of things. And, you know, just taking examples, like, I'd love to see Transformers of, say, some of the designs out of Star Citizen, because there's some cool designs in that game yeah. that may or may never happen. That's a different conversation. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean that's part of the reason why I'm always actually all for Cybertronian alt modes, as long as they really go for it, because you can get, you know, a flying wedge makes sense. Mm-hmm. The sweeps... You know the 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 yeah. 2013 version of the sweeps, especially, make makes sense. Or um, oh, the, was... the Megatron, the um, the oh, big like Delta the... Wing Megatron. Yeah, mm-hmm. or even even like you know Movie Five Megatron, um, Last mm. Night Megatron. Uh, excellent design, kind of wasted, unfortunately. But like that's like that's just a good space jet. Um, because cause yeah, like like uh, I was gonna say Slug Slinger as is one of my favorites actually yeah. because he's not an airplane and he's not a space jet. He's like somewhere in between, where he's like someone took an airplane, took two airplanes, and then made them into a space jet, but didn't really do anything to the fronts of those two airplanes. They just kind of left them on there, right? Um, and I mean that that's another thing too is like I can ignore flaws in a jet mode if it's got a really good transformation. So like Titans Return Trigger Happy, for instance. Like that transformation is 
amazing, and uh, I could overlook a lot of the kibble on that thing, and also partially because it was a space fighter, but mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that... that- I was going to say that that's also, you know, a thing worth noting is that like once you get into the space, you know, space fighter, the 80s, the 1987 onwards, 86, 87 onwards aircraft transformers, it's also a little bit less like these, this kind of conversation is less important because they, and, and that's actually where, you know, to bring up the, the dead horse, but like that's, that's where like the fun conversation about Siege Mirage can come in is like he doesn't yeah. work as a car whatsoever. But that's what he looks like when he's on some alien planet, where I guess that's how cars work. He's yeah, having I a twitch, having a giant block stuck on the back with a little tiny foil on the top. Uh, so you yeah, bring this up every time I'm on an episode. Chris. <laughs> I'm kind of prototyping. He has in my a lot head, of post it like, next to the monitor. I'm prototyping in my head like another version of this where we talk about uh, car car aerodynamics. Um. <laughs> Because I, I know I know you know about some of those too. Also, like man, uh, like I was gonna like put like those first because we talked about the first two of these images you're sharing. So I'm gonna put them into the thread. But the rest of them, y'all got to remember to share these in the thread because these these planes are ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, that, oh, the, oh, that's just lug nut. Oh, so many. That's just lug nut. Yeah, that's old 1930s lug nut, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Oh man, this is I forgot how good Lugnut is too. Like the classics one where the wings are just the arms. That yep. stuff's good. Mm-hmm. That stuff's good. Um, yeah, for instance, that's a good way to deal with airplane mass is to fold the wings up into arms. Yeah. Like that thing had no under kibble either. It's a very clever use of space on him. I mean, granted he had the back half of the fuselage hanging off of him in robot mode, but to me that's less egregious than having an entire robot hanging off of you in vehicle mode. And he could technically, like, transform his center mass and still have two glidey wings to, like, f- kind of approach a landing before he- they turn into arms and he, you know, slaps them into the floor. Just um, have him do the little flap-flap as he's trying to stay in air. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anything else aeronautics-wise you guys want to throw in here? I think we, we got a real good solid uh, hour-ish of, uh, of stuff going. Um, I can't think of anything else specifically off the top of my head. But uh, anything else you guys feel you wanted to throw in there, or are you feeling like we hit it? I mean, until someone rips the band-aid off of expletives in this, I can't say what I wanted to about Harmony Gold. Yeah. Oh, I mean, they don't Well, you, you just say Harmony Gold, everybody understands. Yeah. Yep. Also, Harmony Gold... <laughs> Although, thankfully, uh, Hasbro did finally stand up with them, whatever, a couple years ago. Yeah, with that Jetfire, and I'm gonna, like, do with something. With Jetfire and, <laughs> and said, no, you do something. Oh, wait a second. It, it actually turns out the way that Japanese licenses work, you don't own the license to the thing that you thought that you own. Do you yeah. keep they, going? I, I, was gonna <laughs> say, I was gonna say, here's the thing about Harmony Gold. They, they, they are relevant to a lot of topics. Aeronautics, not one of those topics. <laughs> They yeah. don't. They don't own any kind of airplane design. They, yeah, <laughs> that's like that's specifically one of the things they actually can't lay claim to uh, with with a lot of uh, confidence. Given that the guy who designed all those airplanes has said, "Oh yeah, Harmony Gold are a bunch of thieves." Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, oh, uh, we could we could talk about uh, how reverse swept wings work since that's kind of a mystery. Oh, that to shows up all the time too. Yeah. So what is what what is a reverse swept wing, and like is that a thing that works in real life? So, yes, it is. There are a couple airplanes that uh, do use that. Uh, in fact, Teradive is based off of one of them. Yes. Uh, yeah. I will 
We'll link that in the thread here for, for, a for the listeners in case you were blanking on a sec here. That's when the wings, instead of like you know peeling back or you know, kind of it's arcing for, backwards, they have forward swept. They, they they sweep forwards, so it looks like they're pointing towards what the mm-hmm. plane is flying at. So, uh, it is very advantageous to have a high degree of maneuverability in a combat aircraft, and so to give yourself more maneuverability, you have to create instability in the aircraft so a lot of these fighters have a fly-by-wire system so that means that your controls in the cockpit are not actually attached to the flight controls they send electrical signals and electronic data signals to a central flight computer that then interprets that depending on the surrounding conditions of the aircraft and then puts the input to the controls so it feels like you're controlling the aircraft but you're not directly to put that in simple terms. So you're, you're giving the computer advice on how you'd like the aircraft to fly and the computer's trying to keep you from killing yourself. Right. So if those computers were to fail in a fighter jet, the thing would become uh uncontrollable. And so uh and maneuverability goes hand in hand with instability. So like for instance, a trainer aircraft like a Cessna or a Diamond or something like that are very stable airplanes, but they're not very maneuverable. Uh, so a fighter jet, uh, has to be very maneuverable, but that means it has to be very unstable. So a forward sweep on the wings helps accentuate that maneuverability. And it's, it's a weird thing, uh, because of the way airflow works. So if you have a backward swept wing, naturally the airflow hits the wing root before it hits the wing tip. And so this is the opposite, um, and it, it's very difficult to explain in a short amount of time, but it makes it very, very maneuverable. But at the same time, the reason why you haven't seen as many of these is one, it's very complicated to build a forward sweep in a wing uh, because the way you have to build the wing spar is completely different. You have to use a lot stronger materials and physics then, doesn't like it. Yeah, physics does not like it. It's very complicated to make, and it is even more unstable than a normally swept wing. But uh, it, it does exist. There's a NASA aircraft that does it. There's a Russian aircraft that does it. Uh, I think that's it for right now, because um, no one has come out with a production aircraft with forward sweep, as far as I know. I got to imagine, then, if you know, going to the fiction side of this, like... If that was your body, basically, and you had the advantage of, like, a wing shape that challenges physics, and rather than having to work with a computer design to, like, make the the thing try to not, you know, kill you, that was just part of your physicality, and, like, it's your brain that is reacting with however, you know, the winds are affecting you, like, that could be, that would be really neat. That uh, that Uh, makes a case for forward swept wings and transformers. Yes, and that's why uh, the 31 has it as well, is for the maneuverability. I'm trying mm-hmm. to find a picture here that will really break your brain, Chris. Just like uh, a plane made entirely of wings? No. <laughs> oh, I think I've seen this one before. This is the one that, yeah, it, it's like, you think mm-hmm. it's a perspective shot, but it's not. The thing is just... because the <laughs> entire wing rotates. <laughs> it's just crooked. It's, <laughs> it's the crooked yep. plane. Uh, so that's the thing, is the faster you go, the less... Uh, surface area in the relative wind that you want uh, to drag your airplane to slower speeds. So, you know, the more you clean up your airplane uh, at speeds, the less power you have to have. So the entire idea behind that airplane was giving less and less wing area the faster you go. And then Aaron just went and threw that in here. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a helicopter with two sets of wings, and the propeller looks like it's made of wings. Yes, that's yes. that's a Sikorsky. That's the S seventy two X wing. You can't call it that. So, Someone yes, already. Yes, it was. It was called that in in seventy six, seventy seven. I don't remember when Star Wars came out. Yeah. So the idea on that one was takes off as a conventional helicopter, and then the wings or the uh, rotor blades stops rotating in flight, and then. Um, uses blown air through the leading edge of the blades in order to fake an airfoil direction in the correct way and then go for forward flight. This all seems terrifying to me as far as like a single thing going wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's pretty much why those designs um didn't do a ton. As long as everything goes perfectly right, this thing's going to be awesome. If yeah. it doesn't, it will flip around, spin around, and explode, yeah. is what it sounds like. So it never so, uh, it never flew like that. It flew as a helicopter, and it flew as a jet without the helicopter blades on it. Um, and then after that, they're just like, yeah, no pilot wanted to be the one that was like, yeah, let's just flip that switch mid-flight. I'm going to get used to this. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. No, no, it's absolutely fine. So the last one I linked here is the uh, rotor dyne, which instead of having an engine turn the rotor blades there, it just fired fuel and air out of the tips of the rotor to make that thing turn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Tip that jazz. seems really metal. That yep. seems really cool. That's like putting a, that's like the animated Optimus putting a jet on the back of an axe. That seems really neat. That seems tremendously <laughs> dangerous. It was tremendously loud, which is why they didn't keep making it. Oh god, right. If those things are all little engines. Like <laughs> Yeah. Especially since that thing was supposed to take off and land from uh rooftops of buildings in the middle of a city. <laughs> so to this deafening cacophony for like three minutes. <laughs> Uh, well, I we'll, uh, I, we'll have a, to remember to link all of these. <laughs> yeah, it, well, you know what? At least that, that's why we have a nice, dedicated little Discord chat. So they're all going to be here forever. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we can go. We'll just list all the now. Blom and Boss stuff right off the bat that Chris got excited about, and then you go, mm-hmm, "It's clear he's part German." Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, you start you start presenting me with goofball asymmetry, and I just start getting excited. Because uh, I mean, that's you know, all due respect. That's also what I call these is goofball asymmetry. Like the- <laughs> here, here, you want to you want a symmetrical Blom and Voss one? There you go. You know, yep. though, I kind of that's kind of cute. It looks like a chest plate. That looks like the the TFC toys uh, chest plate robot they made up for Superion. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it's just it's just a wing with a cockpit in the middle. Um. Well, uh, I think that's 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 more or less the bulk of our little aeronautics uh, podcast. I hope uh, we, we're going to talk about some toys too. But I hope you all enjoyed it. Let me know if you dug this kind of topic. I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna see if I can if I can cross post this to YouTube as well. Like this just seems like a fun conversation. Uh, After all, you talking about Tobot got cross posted to YouTube. Is true, and uh, you know there are Tobots that are there is at least one Tobot, if I recall correctly, that is basically a wing with a cockpit on it. I can't remember its name anymore. Um, uh, yeah, uh... <laughs> but uh, to cap this one off, uh, Graham, since you're the guest, uh, oh. anything uh, fresh on topic to Transformers you got this week that you really want to talk about? 
So I got a couple on-topic things, and these will serve as a PSA, because I haven't seen as many people with these as then maybe if you're just on like, the fence or something. It's like poor Vault so, Matrix with that Transmetal Megatron, where it was like, yeah, don't uh, buy it. <laughs> I'm not going to say don't buy it, just things uh, you have to okay. be aware of when you're buying into it. So as some of you probably know, I Menasaur is like my thing, uh, and... Uh, so, I, uh, I've i been getting pretty much every third-party Venusaur. So, the one that I've been a fan of so far... Oh my god, Aaron, why? Uh, the one that I've been a fan of so far is the DX9 one, which uh, their, their individual robot modes and their transformations have been absolutely incredible on their uh, on the two that they've released so far. Then they released Motormaster... I got no problems with Motormaster. I got all sorts of problems with the combined thing that you slap all of the cars onto. So I, I remember when that thing came out, I was so hype because uh, I love the concept. And I watched a video of how that trailer box transforms into a skeletal man. And I thought, oh, that looks really cool. And then they just started going over like how it felt and how, how the fit and finish was. And I was like, this is sounding less and less cool. That was the impression I got. Yeah, uh, so the transformation's really cool. Uh, when it the whole thing is in vehicle mode, it is comically big. Yeah. Like, probably twice as long as an actual tractor trailer should be. And the fact that Menasaur takes... Or, not Menasaur, Mordmaster takes up an eighth of that is hilarious to me. Also, I like and, thinking of the turning axis on that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> non-existent one, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, so getting that combined mode together. For one thing, there's no instructions on how to attach the two leg bots so far. And what I've been able to figure out from how they work, they don't stay on there too well. Oh, uh, I, I think I read up on this. The impression I got... And I didn't. I read up on this months ago, and I'm probably out of date now. The impression I got is that they were like, "Oh yeah, there's no instructions yet because we're gonna there's gonna be bits you kind of affix in there later that we haven't designed yet or something." Like, yeah. <laughs> like hopefully, because boy, do they not stay right now? Yeah, the, like I see, I see they're very clearly supposed to attach in a certain way, and you attach it that way, and they just fall off. Now, part of that problem is because the ratchets and the hips and the knees are so absurdly strong. Oh, they to be fire nearly <laughs> impossible. No, yeah, they basically fire the cars off the legs. Now, <laughs> let me talk about the hip ratchets, okay? So you need to collapse them to put that thing in trailer mode, and you need to spread the hips in order to uh, put it into combined mode. Now, those ratchets are also on a panel, that a geared panel that you have to pull apart and then pull the hips in order to get it transformed correctly. And the ratchets are so stinking strong on those hips that it pulls those geared panels apart before you actually pull the ratchet. I've had to put my leg on the leg of the combined mode and pull with both of my arms just to get one click out of those ratchets. Yeah, the, it's, it's ridiculous. Such, it's such a bummer because, like, even fiction conceptually, I am so into the idea that, like, the way the Stunicons do it is they have this trailer that turns into an armature that they merge with, and like that's how a bunch of dinky cars turn into a combiner on par with like Bruticus. And, yeah. and like this is neat. And that DX9 one, like I, I was so into the thing when I watched it getting transformed. And then the, it's, yeah, the moment it got into the actual joints, I was just like, wait, no. Yep. <laughs> and the other thing I don't like about it is that the purple clear plastic jewels, for lack of a better term, in his test or his chest just fall out. 
his yeah. fallout constantly. It, it really gave me the impression that, like, when X Transbots was like, hey, we're going to take a sec. We're going to take a moment. We're going to take two minutes on the trailer, actually, to check back in with us. It was like DX9 was like, get the trailer out there right now. We're going to be the first yeah. ones with a full-on hype menasaur because we know Fans Toys doesn't even have anything yet. Get our guy out there. And it's like, all right, you did no. it, but, like, at what cost? <laughs> so... To get into some other things about it, like, Motormaster is neat, because in his robot mode, there is no backpack whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like, that, it folds up completely cleanly. That's really cool. His sword and gun in that mode are really cool. Uh, the gun is huge. Huge enough to be held by the combined mode, but it can't, because they use different tabs and slots. So... There's no tap slot for the gun in combined mode. So you're supposed to use the transforming gun Insecticon instead, which is cool, but like it doesn't look anything like his combined gun. And then because it has a rotating joint in the handle to form the jaws of the bug mode, it just kind of rotates in his hand. Like it doesn't stay straight. It it so sounds like it sounds like another thing that's gonna be like one of the last two guys we put out will have like a replacement handle or something that can like you know, have a flip out tab or something. Um, you replace the entire legs on the combined mode, but you know. It, the, so the whole the whole thing sounds like they 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 pushed out a motor master without finishing motor like Menasaur. Uh I don't yeah. know. And I hate to say Which, that because like that comes off that's that's a kind of comment about the third party stuff that I hear where often I'm kinda like groaning when I hear it, where it's like, Oh, this is clearly not even finished. But it's like there's a lot about it that feels like they know they have two more figure releases to kind of patch it. Yeah. It it's such a shame because like this was by far my favorite group. Cause like the others had interesting individuals, like X Transbots, Drag Strip's really cool. Fans Toys Motormaster is fantastic. And then like DX9 was the only one that like I dug all of them so mm. far. And then then this happens, and it's such a shame. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, really, X Transbots was the one I was watching the most because I because they were taking a moment like a moment on the trailer. It was giving me a lot of hope that like you know between that and the way that the first two releases felt, I haven't kept up with it since then just for you know mm-hmm. money reasons. But those first two, I was like, this also just feels like a step up as far as like five eight nines uh, design work. Like everything feels like it's cleaning up. Uh, the older X Transbots aesthetic, like it feels like the transformations are not going ridiculous for the sake of ridiculous. Like it, it's just fun toys. Well, uh, have I got good news for you then? Their oh. Motormaster is fantastic. Oh, I'm so happy! I almost bought him at what ended up being the last toy show I'm probably ever going to see this year. <laughs> and then <laughs> I was like, oh, I should hold off because I, I was. I mean, I'm happy with the thing I got instead. But uh, right. he was giving me good vibes. So, to talk about this thing, the only problem, and I mean only problem I got with this, is that how you fold up his chest place into vehicle mode, the, like, purple piping, for lack of a better way of describing it, around the outside of his chest, Mm. rubs up against the inside of the vehicle mode, so, like, that has kind of rubbed off on parts, but not enough for me to care, but, like, man, the transformation on this thing is genius like the entire oh, truck yeah. cab goes inside of his chest cavity that is so cool <laughs> like, yeah, I, I watched the designer's got, video like the moment it went up and i was like this thing looks really sick i i legitimately that is the only complaint i have on that thing yeah like that that is i think that and drag strip are the best ones that they've done so far 
Uh, it's it's really really good and i'm interested to see how the combined mode came out because those original cat renders of the combined mode were oof those were rough yeah the, <laughs> the only thing about that set so far i've heard is i have to be per, i have to pay attention to which drag strip i'm getting because mm-hmm. it sounds like the the first release drag strip strip the the cartoon one like has a plastic that's um that had problems and the toy version was categorically just better is what i understood it's unfortunate. I wish they'd redo the original one uh, for a second run because I'd fully because I I know exactly what they're talking about. It's um, it's in the shoulder joints on it because uh, mm-hmm. there's a particular transformation step where you have to like kind of bend apart past another one a little bit and like it's not that scary, but like with the plastic that they used on that one, I could see that cracking in the future, and I I think I've seen that it has for some people. Oh yeah, yeah, that um, was a, it was a whole thing. I spent like a day trying to research because it got could, because there's so many versions, I got confused. But like right. people had mm. cracked shoulders, they got replacement parts which were done in a different plastic, which then also cracked, and yeah. and then it was a whole thing. And then apparently the toy version just doesn't have that problem. The the only bummer about and, and also. So that's one of the ones where the toy version doesn't look that different, except for the head. And I way prefer the cartoon head. Well, uh, see, now you should just buy both of them and do a head swap. Yeah, but then I'm like buying t- two times a drag strip and I uh, <laughs> I only want one. So I'm, I'm kind of waiting. I'm waiting. A l- I'm, I'm with the X-Transbots one. Like, I'm kind of mm-hmm. waiting until it's done so I can get like the whole gamut of, of how everything turned out. But yeah, that that yeah. Murdermaster uh, Grave Digger I think is theirs. Um, uh, gravestone. Gravestone. Yeah, gravestone. Yes. Uh, that that one I was mean, was hitting me pretty well. And it even has like subtle transformation steps of like slide the box over his head slightly back so it's not as far back into there. Yeah. <laughs> and like little touches like that made it so good. And like it it was a good thing that I got both of those Motormasters at the same time because like. The Motor Master for DX9 is fine. It's just that combined mode shell that's so frustrating. But yeah, it's this X Transbots one is so good. I really hope I, I have confidence because I think DX9 is you know not a terrible company. I got confidence that they no. probably are going to put work in to have patch parts in the next two. It's just like mm-hmm. it's a shame to tell you, oh, I'm sure they'll patch the big part in the next two releases because it's like okay, well, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I shudder to think of doing patchwork on that. If you have to take apart the ratchet on the hip of like what gigantic spring is going to fire out of that thing into your face, uh, that's like trying to do the repair work on it. It's like all that work I had to do on Siegfried from uh, from uh, Orden uh, way back. Um, oh, there's something else about that Motormaster I was going to say. Now I forgot it. Now it's like, oh, uh, yeah, the X Transbots one. One of the things I liked hearing about with that is how. It's like the arm guys can split in half to mm-hmm. form arms, or they can also have shell versions of themselves in car mode put on to make them look slightly bigger and more proportional in the combined mode. But you can also just leave all that stuff off. Like, I don't know. There's the way they're doing option parts with it, if they're still doing it that way. This is like a year ago I checked. Uh, right. It's like option parts in the way I kind of dig because it's not, it's not like you need the option parts for the functionality to even work. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's going to be neat when that's all over. I feel bad for yeah. everyone who's sick of seeing Menosaurs, though, because it's like cartoon Menosaur is a terrible cartoon model. He's a terrible design, and I love him, but I know he's terrible. And well, you, you got that shiny IDW one coming out. So there you go. Oh, yeah. They're doing the gifts. I don't want shiny, though. I want matte. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting both because I'm a terrible with finances. Uh- 
That, it, is anyway. tempting, it is tempting. I, I'm, I'm looking forward yeah. to hearing how the shiny version, the, the generation, especially, no, transformation version turns out. Especially since the matte one is impossible to find now. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of kicking myself. There was a period where you could easily get them for not cheap, but basically for the cost of the six of them. But, yeah. like... It was easy to do, and now it's like you can get you can get a loose one for the cost of the six of them. But I'm like, but I want a loose one to cost less. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, uh, moving on, we uh, uh, TF Source uh, had a sale a while back uh, on Striker Manus and Buster Skywing mm-hmm. set. So I I jumped on that because I have a Striker Manus and I have this Stealth Skywing, but I did not have the regular Buster Skywing. Mm-hmm. And I wanted one to where I could display the Stealth Skywing and Striker Manus in robot mode and then have it combined with them next to them. So I got that in. The uh, the Buster Skywing was mint in box, and the Striker Manus was just in a Ziploc. <laughs> so yeah, that, yeah. One, that one was clearly used, uh, which it did not mention on the product page, but whatever. Uh, really like it uh, in combined mode. Uh, Buster Skywing has an unfortunate time of trying to line up the leg panels in vehicle mode to where you could very easily break the tabs off when you're trying to get it all compressed right. Um, But, you know, since it's staying in combined mode, that's not really a problem. The other problem with it is that uh, the upper legs, torso, head, and arms of Buster Skywing are not used in... The combined mode. Yeah, so that, that was just a, got this. That was a revelation to this, me when I got that toy. <laughs> yeah, so you've got this amputee jet fire just kind of sitting there on the shelf. So he's missing he's, all of those panels. He's so close, <laughs> right? Because if yeah. if the leg connectors could flip one eighty to be thrusters, I would totally buy it that he's just like hovering around like Beast Machine's jet storm. Yep. I'd, I'd be like, no, I'd be to, I'd be into that. That'd be sick. And I'm yeah. like, and I'm like also a little frustrated because I'm like. To me, this is a really obvious idea, and and I feel it's like my frustration with Toy World's Devastator and like that that hip section just being a hip section and that's it. Where I'm mm-hmm. like, have it turn into a thing at least. Like, yeah, like, I mean, you know, at least the Make Toys Devastator had those turn into like power generators that the vehicles towed around for the arms. Yeah, like with Buster Skywing, I'm just like, if this dude's not going to be part of the combination, that's cool. But like, I just feel like he's he is literally like two little flippy thrusters away from at least like having some kind of obvious fiction function when the rest of yeah. him is combined. Because I, I think the idea is it's like in the movies, it's like, oh, he's dead and they're using his parts, and I'm like, okay, but like, that's like my least favorite form of combination where it's like oh yeah my buddy died i used his limbs (laughs) Uh, it's not even that he used his limbs he used his backpack guns and shins and also part of his chest cavity yeah that's the thing is you have a nearly complete robot left over and i'm like oh man this is so close to like a really cool play pattern and because because you can't even stand him up because his shins are gone and the connectors are not like platforms so there's just there's nothing and i thought maybe there'd be a flight stand thing but there isn't uh yeah it's that's the only thing i don't like about it though because like everything else like that that uh oh what what is that subline called oh uh cross dimension yeah cross dimension that subline's great it's unfortunate that there's 
nothing on the horizon really for it right now. They got prototypes done, so it'll, you know, sometime in the next uh, like three years. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I should say like I do like Buster Skywing a lot. I actually really like the yeah. Jetfire color version uh, a ton, and yeah, it's it's it is the biggest problem with him is that he 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 teases you with this really cool combination, and then when it's done, you're like, I thought I was just getting started. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, moving on to the final thing, which will also be a PSA, is I talked to Chris about how frustrating this is, but the SND Primo X Mortis, the Nova Prime upgrade for the Combiner Wars Battlecore Optimus Prime. Yeah, yeah, it's. I think it is a known factor, but yeah, because if you don't know, you gotta knock pin. You gotta not only knock pins out, but they're pins that don't want to come out. <laughs> yeah. So. Some of the pins are fine to get out. Like, they're they're yeah. not that difficult at all. I had an appropriately sized nail and a hammer, knocked it out fine. Whatever. The one that's his ab crunch for transformation that goes through the entire length of his torso, you gotta pull that one out. And that thing mm. never came all the way out. I had to cut it in half and then shove the other end of the pin through the other side. That's common. Like, that's common. That... that <laughs> That took me almost four hours of struggle. And keep in mind, I do stuff like this for a living. Yeah, <laughs> I tried to get that thing out. I tried to live stream that, thinking it would not be a big problem, like years ago <laughs> when it was new. And there's yeah I, something I should note in case people because you know, it's been a couple years, so it's it's been long enough. People might not know the kit anymore, but like it comes with a dedicated plastic piece designed for you to lay the torso down sideways <sighs> so you can hammer that pin out. And it doesn't work. It does, yeah, it doesn't work. It comes with another pin as well to to yeah. replace that pin. And what people discovered is because that other pin was never shot into something, it's actually a micrometer or two too thick. So yeah. the old pin... Yeah, it's, it's a compression fit. That's how those work. Yeah, the, the old pin is actually a better fit. So it's like, <laughs> you got to, I don't know, the, the whole thing, the, the, the main guy who worked on it, I think, expressed, like, it was. it's a really good idea, that kit. And I yeah. think he expressed that, like, it's just... It ended up being a, a learning experience of, like, trying to mass-produce something like that. Uh, I'll say this. Like, now that it's done, that Nova Prime is gorgeous in robot mode. Mm. Like, that design is really cool. The wings have a ton of posability options on it. I really like the gigantic scythe that you get for them. Uh, the big unfortunate thing for it is that the combined mode head parts forms uh, when you put it into combined mode. And then the transformation's a little weird yeah but other than that like now that the process is done and it's a display piece it looks fantastic but boy was the process getting to that just mm, uh. it's, it's one where you have to go to the tfw thread and start looking at everyone's discussion from back in the day when it came out yeah like you need the guidance <laughs> uh, absolutely <laughs> and there it's are, such a shame well there are videos even and None of them are very helpful because, like, most everyone who tried to do a video of that thing ran into all the same problems. Yeah. And, and it, it's like there's almost a vicarious stress and frustration from watching the videos that makes it worse. Like, and it, it reminds me a lot of the poor guy who did that triple changing Megatron that we met at Chicago. Yeah. Like, there were so many good ideas and just the execution fell flat at the end. And you just can't help mm. but feel bad for him. Yeah, or or um, that that Omnigonic spin out the Sunstreaker, where like the guy basically yeah. like did a tell all on the boards and was like the company who made this screwed me over and messed up my design. Where it's, it's like it, it was many times the lesson that if you can't actually go and if you can't 
at least be in contact directly face to face with someone who then is in face to face contact with the factory. There's so much that can go yeah. wrong. Well, I mean, we've heard that even in like Hasbro stuff, not oh, just oh, yeah. not just third party, but plenty of times we've heard Hasbro or what was it, um, the Turtles lines that kept right, yeah like <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, that's what it's supposed to look like, and then it's released and it's hot garbage, and it's like oh. That's because the factory decided that uh, they didn't need to put any of those paint apps on there. That, that was That's one why of, he's black. It's that was like, one no, of my, there was that was one of my scoops. That was one of I was at the New York Comic Con where I think I, we figured that out when mm-hmm. when they said like, yeah, we sometimes we don't know the factory change till the things already shipped. And yeah. I was like, whoa, that I mean that lines and, up kind of, but mm-hmm. whoa, <laughs> and and depending on like factory runs and and production times. Yeah, the factory runs that for four days, and that's it. And then by the time that, you know, that photo, you know, they produced it Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. The guys come in Monday morning, take a look at, oh, hey, first photos of them off the line on Friday. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> also, this is, I think we've talked about this before, but I'll just mention it. Like, what can happen is the factory has everything ready to go, and they start, they do, like, some test shots or whatever. And then something goes wrong or something isn't quite assembling right. The the floor manager at the factory is often in a position to make a call to modify the molds to try to fix the problem. And that's how sometimes inexplicable things can happen where you're like, why did they do it this way? And it's like, that might have been a factory floor manager saying, oh, if we just tweak this, it'll fix a, a fit and finish problem we're having. And then it turns out that also directly impacts the the designed function of the piece. But mm-hmm. by that point, it might have gone too far to actually go back and roll it back. Uh, yeah. And and no one who works on Transformers will tell you about this because th- no one working at a company could ever tell you about this because that would be throwing their factory floor manager under the bus publicly. And, like, you can't, like, do that. No. Yeah. Unless so you need to maintain a relationship with that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Huh, I don't know. <laughs> they all shipped as melted chunks of plastic. Huh. Wonder how mm-hmm. that happened. Again, I mean, mean, remember the the old, how do you put this? The, uh, I was gonna say anecdote, but like, remember back when BotCon still existed and, and there was that time (laughs) when a Hasbro person was asked about, uh, some of the, the production problems BotCon has with their exclusives. And the answer was like, well, you get, you get what you pay for. And like, that was kind of it. You remember Mm -hmm. that answer? (laughs) Mm -hmm. That one was also a telling one where I was like, oh yeah, like. How much you put in is how much you get back, and if you can't afford to put in, like, you know, if you if you can't afford to put in all the FaceTime and and direct back and forth for a prolonged amount of time, then it, you know you end up with a, a slightly lower standard. And, it's, and I think that part of that is also Botcon trying to turn those concepts from concept to physical piece in like under a year. A lot of the yeah, time, yeah. Tigatron face sculpt for Combiner Wars says hi. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, punch <laughs> counter punch his head, right? Like yep. being tiny, I think that Botcon's timelines did them no favors. Uh, no, like I, I, because I, I, I feel like what I recall is it never sounded like they were they were saying in twenty, say in two thousand, not two thousand. That's pre. Let's say in two thousand seven. It's not like in 07. They're like we here we're putting in the concept for oh nine right now, so we mm-hmm. can have you know a, a nice long lead up. Uh, it's like the 08 concept goes out less than a year before 08 happens or something. I, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there, there are panels about this that you can go and look up. Um, right. But, uh, yeah, uh, I'm on a tangent. What's up, Graham? Yeah. Oh, so, uh, we can, uh, we can go into a few, few off topic things here that I think might be of interest to, uh, at least some of us in here. 
Oh, geez. Just making direct mm. eye contact with Aaron. That's crazy. Yeah. Wait. Well, because uh, first of all, I'm going to talk about some Lego. I thought you were going to say, mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about a tree. Did you see the set <laughs> nope. that got announced today? I yeah. saw the, the, the yeah. Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah. I, I was really yeah. into that until I saw the price, and then I realized, oh, because I, when That's I saw the photo. That's a great price for what it is. Well, when I saw the photo, right? Chris, Chris, thought, let's let's remind ourselves of what I what I just ordered off of back order on Lego. Oh that yeah, price I, does not. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. What I was thinking when I when I saw the photo of that NES, I thought it was like palm size. I thought it was like a micro replica. So when I saw the price, nope. I was like, what? And then I watched the video. I was like, oh, I see why it costs that much. Yeah. Because for no moving for a background. Yeah. I, how how does that work? Very carefully. So that that's on a track. But how's it wrapping? Like it, it's. You, have you seen the the Lego pieces that are like tank treads? Yeah, is the whole. It's thing? just that clipped into a circle, and you have a bunch of like two like two wide vertical strips. Yeah, and then they're connected to the track, and it just loops. Man, I want to build so that And so, as thing. it gets past the edge of the TV, is when it loops around to the backside. Yeah, it, it, they've got studs on them. Um, that's still really tight, though. That's really man. Yeah, I can't yeah. afford so that thing. It's but. The, the neat thing, if you saw it with the the audio on the video, because uh, there's a couple different versions of that video that's going around, or, or down to a, an image. Um, on top of it, they also have the two by two blocks that the Mario block thing. I, I saw the electronic that. Mario block reads those as they come by, so he'll make the right sounds as it goes by. Yeah, and the cool. way that the Mario is on there, there's a disc, so the studs that stick out on the rotating screen will catch the bottom of that disc so that Mario goes up the ramp or jumps on the Goomba or goes how he's supposed to go just by Oh, the Mario on a stick. Like the Yeah. 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 Man, that's how that works for it then. Yeah. So it's it's slightly less complicated news. Uh, (laughs) So there's a story behind these. So I ordered the uh, Lego Speed Champions uh, Jag uh, Jaguar Formula E Gen Two and I Pace series and the Mandalorian Battle Pack. So I ordered those in. Uh, You know, it takes about a week to get to me. It says delivered. I've been home all day because you know quarantine Mm -hmm. and. uh, it's not anywhere to be seen and i i'm trying to figure out what's happened with this so you know it like it it says delivered it says it was delivered like seven hours ago and there's no sign of it so i try contacting fedex and you know fedex being fedex nothing Mm -hmm. just nothing tried calling them and it said go to their live chat tried going to the live chat it says you have a four-hour wait so Tried uh, DMing them on Twitter, never got a response back. So <laughs> I contact Lego, and Lego's like, oh, don't worry about it. We'll just send you, you know, another shipment of these two. Like, mm-hmm. it's fine. Don't worry. Like, oh, cool. Next day comes by. A lady rings my doorbell. She goes, hey, we're from like eight blocks away and got this yesterday. <laughs> uh, I think this is yours. Huh. I go, how did this get delivered Eight blocks away to a street that's not even close to being the same street number as me. Hmm. I, I don't get it. But anyway, I have two copies of each now. Uh, so <laughs> the, Man- <laughs> the Mandalorian battle pack is, you know, it's just a battle pack. I wanted some Mandos. Uh, the the uh, Formula E and iPace series set is interesting. Like, there's some very interesting build processes in it and very 
uh, accurate to the race cars for both of those. But it's interesting because it's the first wave of speed champions that went from six studs wide to seven studs wide so that you could do side-by-side seating in the cars. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting in the fact that the steering wheel's off the one side of the minifigure driving it, but it still works. Uh, the, it's for the, the gangstaline. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the Formula E car in particular is a fascinating build, and uh, that's my second favorite racing series right now behind Formula One. Uh, if you've never watched Formula E, it's an all-electric racing series. Uh, a bunch of manufacturers are a part of it. Uh, super close racing, and every race is live-streamed and available on YouTube. So uh, a very easy series to get into. Uh very cool build uh like the start finish line i don't care about that i just care about the cars um the sticker work on it's really good like there's no there's not really any stickers in either one of these that you have to go across multiple bricks so they're a lot easier to apply uh just just a really cool uh set and then building off of that uh brick arms a washington state local company uh has a blaster pack uh that they sell full of star wars blasters and i got that because the mandalorian battle pack has those stupid stud launchers instead of yeah actual blasters so i got the blaster pack and i uh, got the over molded galactic gunfighter pack which is for the mandalorian in anticipation of the release of uh, his ship later in the year. Uh, the over-molded one is really cool because it's molded in multiple colors, so it's as screen accurate as you can get for LEGO weapons. Oh, nice. Uh, for that kind of thing. Uh, so that that was uh, a nice little surprise, uh, especially since I have two copies of each of those now. So, <laughs> uh, Getting into the electronic side of things, uh, I got to... You know, this is going to be the obligatory Ken Noise Maze reference in every podcast. Today. Ken gifted me a couple of tabletop sims, so uh, Chris and I, along with a couple other people, have been playing Scythe. Uh, that's that's a legitimately very good board game, uh, if you're into that sort of thing. And uh, tabletop sim is really good. The interface in the Steam game is, uh, I would say, pretty much as close to hot garbage as you could get. It's kind of like what I'll say, because I've been real hard on that Steam version of Scythe. I think mm-hmm. you can get used to it. It just was really surprising to me how playing multiple games of it in Tabletop Simulator, you know, with the real board setup, didn't prepare me well for playing the Steam version. Yeah. Like, it's and weird. It doesn't help. It doesn't help that the way you play the board game version is so well set up with physical pieces, keeping track of everything that you need to keep track of in that game, that going to a different and a I would say objectively worse interface is really jarring. Yeah, I've, I've been playing the Steam mm. version of Terraforming Mars as well because I, I just I don't want to spend money on the game because it looks like like the components are it's not like they're bad it's just like they're uninspiring and I just want to mess with an engine builder and and I don't want to spend like nearly fifty sixty bucks on like really dinky looking cards. So right. I've been playing the Steam version and it's it's almost kind of the same thing where I. I can see how this interface is good, and it's nice that it autopilots a lot of the engine build stuff, but going uh-huh. through my hand of cards sucks. Uh, it's in, like, uh-huh. a separate menu, and it's, like, oh. it only shows you six cards at a time, and in Terraforming Mars, it seems to me like it's really easy to end up with a hand of, like, 14 cards, so you have to, like, scroll yeah, through it and yeah, paint. Yeah. Like, you can sort it, which is nice, but I just wish it showed me all the cards, you know? That's uh. unfortunate. Uh... Well, uh, sticking with the video game thing, uh, I got a quirky little game on Steam called Mass Builder, 
which is build your own giant fighting robot the game basically uh it's still in early access uh the the gameplay loop in it is i mean it's fine it's simple it's uh fighting a bunch of samey looking monsters in a wide open area the thing that's fun about that game is just how deep the customization is because i mean you change everything from like there's i think six different parts on the head there's like multiple parts per part of the arm and all of that has basically unlimited colors you can make a gloss matte make it out of different materials uh and uh, you can make the robot completely asymmetrical because you can change stuff separately on each side of the robot. You can even have different soles of the feet on the robot. Like different then, robot footprints. That's actually kind of a cool yeah. touch. <laughs> uh, and then like the weapons are completely customizable too. Like There's only one part on each weapon that actually changes what type of weapon it is so like you could change something from like say a minigun to a sniper rifle and there's only one part that controls that the rest of it's completely customizable and it's the same thing you can change you know the color the color of what it fires like uh what material it's made of all that kind of thing so like the customization aspects of it are definitely the biggest draw to it and it looks like they're doing updates at least monthly on it too so they're they're keeping up with development in the game and it's a fascinating project to f- try and follow it's like you know you know you have the um the gundam games but those are mostly on playstation so it's nice to have like an option of that for pc with some really just incredibly deep customization options i mm. mean like even deeper than the mech warrior games so it's been pretty fascinating to play that uh it's a cool little game Nice. I, I actually have uh, I have a relevant off topic thing to something you were talking about. Uh, oh, go. Yeah, I'll just go ahead. To, I'll just do this. You'll know what it is. Mm-hmm. I got them. Ah, excellent. I got them. <laughs> Good hand feel, Chris. Oh yeah, these are the uh, the scythe metal coins. They'd been out of stock for a million years, and then they were in stock, and I was getting something else. Uh, so I, I I got me the scythe metal coins. Uh, and they're they're very they're very fun. The uh, the scythe. Scythe is a fantastic board game. If you if you are looking for a board game, but even to play by yourself in quarantine, it's really good. Yeah, I'll I'll say it is. Uh, it has a, a solo system that takes a little bit more learning than than some other ones. Uh, and I think you got to be into the theme. Because um, mm-hmm. I think if you're not into the theme, it's very easy to look at Scythe and kind of see it as if you're playing multiplayer at least well if one guy gets ahead and i'm not like thematically invested it it can feel like whoever got ahead first can kind of run away with it if you're not if you're not cough. like you're not you cough if you're not like thinking <laughs> in the world but uh, no i also got a couple scythe promos i've got the the promo factory cards um and a bunch of the promo encounter cards i'm only missing promo pack 1 and 3 now of the cards the encounter cards are so good. <laughs> so it's the uh, yeah, it's the first. It's the it's the Kickstarter encounter cards and the kick the Kickstarter uh, little cards, um, the ah. mission cards. Right. Uh, those are the two I'm missing now, as far as being card complete. Uh, I don't think I care enough about the different colored metal money to want to start pursuing that. Like, what? There's a place in Canada that has the blue ten ten dollar coins, mm. and like I get it, but I'm also like. That's a step beyond what I want to do. Like I'm, I'm okay replacing the coins and the resource tokens in the base games and start playing it. But like I want to, I want to get in love with playing the thing in analog before I start going farther. I just want right. to, I want to chase down the card promos because I, I don't, I, I don't mind chasing those when they show up. They're not expensive. Um, mm-hmm. The the coins though, I'm happy with just the base metal coins. 
Right. Um, yeah, no, the like those coins are really well done no matter what color they are. Yeah. Uh but yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to painting up the minis. Uh probably coming up with my own storage system. Um mm-hmm. cuz I I got foam core stuff and I've been wanting a game to to try some foam core flexing on and this seems like the one if I want to protect painted minis cuz anything that can protect those minis uh if they're painted is usually a custom made MDF system that costs about as much as I paid for Scythe. Um yeah. and that's neat. But I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm going to no. love it enough to want to get into those. Are you going to get the all-in box? Oh, you mean the the just the legendary box? Yeah. For those okay, yeah. For those who don't know, they made a box that is just dimensionally twice the size of the base box. You can put all the stuff into one box, uh, and that's it's because there's there's three expansions. Yeah, if you it, didn't know it's basically a thirty dollar Canadian very large box with three large boxes inside that specifically are there to not have it crumple in shipping uh and then they decided to print art on them because then you could use them for stuff if you want to yeah. uh but i i think right now i'm going to be fine with the base box because i'm like f- the the fenris expansion i'm going to probably keep in its own box separate uh, yeah because that's that's almost it, it's a different way to play size since it's a story driven campaign as opposed to playing other players yeah like i don't think i need to cram that in and, and like i'm no. gonna I, I i think also if I don't get the airships, I think I can figure out how to get everything into the base scythe box. Uh, uh, I will tell you right now, no. <laughs> I, no, I'm, I'm looking at it geometrically, and because the only reason I'm saying this, I have another board game called Paladins of the West Kingdom, which is infamous for its box being too small. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was able to Tetris everything in there with the cards being sleeved, and I don't have lid lift, and it's organized. So I, I, so I will I think say I the thing it. that will the thing that will be your Achilles heel is the folded up folded up game board. I'm I'm also I'm also going at this with the idea of I'm only going to put the game board in without the extension. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to be like stacking the extension in. I'm not. I'm certainly not thinking of the modular board right now. Um, right. Yeah. It, like if I were to go beyond in like expansion one and expansion three, then it's like yeah, it's not going to work out. But I, mm. I think for my my purposes, I might be able to pull it off. I'm uh, I'm a right. crafty Tetris person. <laughs> I should put that on a resume. I I have. Oh, excellent. Uh, so speaking of other video game stuff, I got uh, XCOM Chimera Squad. Uh, interesting the way that they changed the gameplay loop on that with the whole breach system, and the fact that you know one side does not do their whole turn. It's alternating, so the game is a lot more fast-paced. And the character is a lot more memorable, because instead of creating your own squad units, uh, you have a set uh, cast of characters that you recruit. Uh, and there's some there's some good alien squad mates in this game. Only thing is, is, when it released, it had some real bad hard crashes, like crash to my computer hard crashes. And so, like, right as I was about to beat the final mission, the game hard crashed. I'm like, well, I'm going to take that as a side. I'm going to come back later and beat this game. <laughs> Everything up until that point was pretty great, minus the occasional bug. But uh, for being a surprise release out of nowhere, this is really good. And it's more of that XCOM goodness. So, you know, it's good stuff. Plus, it was a lot cheaper, too. There's um, a, there's actually a pretty good, as far as I've heard anyway, a pretty good XCOM board game. But it's uh, it's app driven, and there's nothing wrong with that. But that's been a real easy way for me to cut off a whole bunch of games, <laughs> is yeah. to go like I don't really want to run something with an app right now. But uh, 
Yeah, the, apparently the XCOM board game is pretty good from what I've heard. Yeah, interesting. I'll have to look into that. Uh, the last last little bit for me tonight is uh, continuing the sim racing thing of me from uh, last time I was on. I, uh, I upgraded my uh, steering hub. I went to direct drive. Uh, so for those of you that don't know the difference, there's two different types of... Uh, driven force feedback system there's belt driven and there's direct drive direct drive is much more expensive but it's a lot more accurate and also lasts longer because you're not using this belt to basically try and wrench the wheel out of someone's hands so the cheaper ones that you see like your logitechs and your thrustmasters those would be belt driven and then uh your more expensive ones would be direct drive so fanatec has both uh, I upgraded from the Club Sport steering hub to the Podium DD2 uh, hub, and this thing weighs almost 40 pounds and is so powerful in the force feedback that, one, it requires what's called the torque key that you have to plug into it like a second key on a Bugatti to unlock the full amount of torque on it because you can actually break your wrist if you hold onto it in a crash. And it also has an emergency stop button that immediately shuts the whole thing down in case you get tangled up in it. So, I plugged this thing in, went for my first drive at 100%, and my arms were dead by the end of it. So I had to turn it down to 65% and do a couple more sessions. But I can't do a whole lot more until I get the other thing that I have uh, coming in. Which is a Bruzy, uh, which is an apparel company specifically for racing and karting, does gloves and shoes for sim racing, which mm. is good because you don't want to be doing metal pedals barefoot for however many hours your race is. And all of my wheel rims except for one are all Kantara, which gets wrecked by any sweat that you have. And plus, it's just a more realistic feeling through your hands and feet if you've got the actual clothing you'd be wearing in the car going through it. It's a level um, of it's a level of sim that I greatly respect, the one where uh it is so simulated that you can actually jank your your own wrists mm-hmm, yeah. like you would with a car because that is the dedication of the simulator. I, I really am I dig that. it's terrifying, but I dig it. So, and I mean the crazy thing is is that sim racing is getting so realistic these days that you have people who are sim racers that have graduated to actual race teams like nissan had the gt academy for a while there where they would pull the times from gran turismo and then the top 10 players in the world would get taken to silverstone a track in the uk they'd get time trialed against each other and then the top person from that would be brought in as a Nissan factory driver. So, for instance, they competed in the GT series, and then a couple of them went on to compete in uh, the World Endurance Championship, which is really cool. And, like, uh, McLaren holds what's called McLaren Shadow. So you can compete and try and match the times of their actual race drivers, and then the winner last year got a contract from McLaren to be their F1 simulator development driver, or one of them. And so it's it's cool to see where sim racing has gone, especially in quarantine, where all the racing series were holding virtual racing series with their drivers. Yeah, I mean uh, during that, mm-hmm. and it going fairly well, minus a few anomalies. Like if the sim uh, if won- the sim gets that close, it's like not like it, it, actually this can sound kind of dystopian, but like without getting that far. It seems like it's like you're you're get you're you're able to do the test of skill without the risk of body 
of a car yes. flipping over. That was actually supposed to happen this year. Is uh, Robo Race was supposed to be the support series for Formula E this year, but you know, pandemic, uh, and they were uh, fully autonomous racing, uh, but also able to be controlled remotely. Uh, and they were thinking that was another direction sim racing could go in. Um, it, I mean, sim racing is at the same time, a different skill set and the same skill set as being an actual racing driver. Cause there's, of course there's things you can get away with in a sim that you'd never be able to get away with in an actual racing car. Mm-hmm. But sim racing is really kind of the only video game sim besides flight sim, but that's almost dead these days to where if you're good at sim racing you're good at the actual sport like johnny fifa over there ain't gonna be good at actually playing soccer yeah like I, i was gonna say it almost like i was in my head i was thinking like it's weird that gran turismo times your gran turismo players were getting pulled in in the same way because i was thinking that they're all playing with a controller but there are racing wheels for all this stuff Yes. So that so yeah. that's that was what was so interesting about Gran Turismo Sport was that in that game, if you did well enough, you actually earned points towards your FIA racing license. Yeah. Uh, in that, which was cool. However, Gran Turismo is not the gold standard of realism. Because, uh, like, for instance, I you I'm not going to use Project Cars Three. That's an entirely different argument. I use Project Cars Two, Assetto Corsa, Assetto Corsa Competizione, R Factor Two. And a couple others, and like those are incredibly realistic simulators. Um, I don't use iRacing because I don't want to pay thirty dollars a month and then pay for each car and track on top of that. Yeah, uh, but that is what all of the professionals use is iRacing. So most of like the race at home series were done in iRacing, except for Formula E, which was in R Factor Two. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm sure. But, I'm sure. Like the 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 you know the money is paying for something of of note, but that to me yeah. also sounds like iRacing positioned itself to be the one that the real racers use, and that's why it's a subscription. Well, like, and I mean, so they charge that much because one, they can, and two, like the racing lobbies are ranked, and so like the fact that most of the new generation of Formula One drivers, so like Lando Norris, George Russell, Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, all of them, they all sim race in their spare time, especially Lando Norris, who like has a huge following on Twitch because he sim races in his spare time. That's how much this kid likes driving cars. And he's 20, by the way. Uh, (laughs) um, So, I mean, iRacing's the platform that you do that on, so you have curated lobbies, and then, like, they go out and they take a laser grid and they scan the track in when they add a new one. So, like, every minuscule bump, everything on that track will be laser scanned and actually accurately recreated in the game so like your money is paying for something but at the same time like 30 bucks a month is a bit excessive in my mind you you'd have to uh, to me that that means you're using it for professional purposes right and like i sim race for fun like i'm part of a couple leagues but like we do endurance racing we do gt racing we do formula one and it's like uh, i the to me what i do doesn't justify spending that much a month especially since like there'll be we try and follow the actual racing season so like when it's the off season we don't race Mm. so that'd be several months out of the year where i'm not using it yeah yeah (laughs) 
But yeah, it's it's a very cool system. Direct Drive is a whole nother level compared to what I was using before. I uh, very cool, and it's nice that all of the steering wheels that I have for Fanatec are cross compatible between the two of them. Uh, so the the final step for that will be the full motion rig, but uh, that's quite a ways off. Well, I need a bigger place for that. Yeah, eventually you can also then just like very quietly append four wheels to the whole thing, and then it, it turns out <laughs> going. <laughs> So, funny story, back in the day when Fanatec was first getting started with uh, the Club Sport system, which is what I upgraded from, uh, they did replicas of a bunch of different racing cars. So the first one they did was the uh, one of the BMW GT cars. And so the whole commercial for it that they put up on YouTube is the guy's driving around, and the car gets out of the car, takes the steering wheel with him, goes and plugs it onto the sim, and starts using it on the sim, because he was using the simulator wheel in the actual car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like i i don't think i'm ever going to take the final step of going to like the really expensive stuff like the sim sim steering stuff which just for like the force feedback motor is probably almost nine thousand dollars like i'm not going that direction yet <laughs> don't you Cap- don't you tempt me Aaron. capital y capital t yet <laughs> yeah Anyway, but yeah, like I said, the full motion rig is probably my last step in that. But like I said, I need a bigger room for that. Uh, it there, I'm glad that it's getting a lot cheaper than it used to be because, like, it used to be the only option was a forty thousand dollar Vasaro or similarly priced other ones. But now, um, you can get like a three degree of freedom for fifteen hundred, which, all things considered, is not bad at all. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it, I'm glad the prices come down significantly on that from when I was first looking around at that because oof, gross. Well, <laughs> congratulations on your st- your 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 um how am I gonna put this your layered steps towards building a car in an apartment. Uh, yes, <laughs> yeah, the, the house will have to come before the rest of car, but yeah. Yeah, that's what the that's just boy what they is say. the housing market in this area horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the only other thing I can think of for us to talk about really briefly is Aaron. What the hell happened with your tree? What was what, what was going on out there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, so uh, speaking of falling out of the sky, <laughs> Saturday we had a pretty uh, hellacious um, storm front come through borderline maybe microburst type of thing like wasn't a tornado but be hard pressed to tell the difference maybe yeah um where it was uh getting ready to go to my little brother and sister's graduation party because i'm old and they just graduated high school um and was like look looking outside and it's like oh it looks like Valerie storm okay well Ah, their party goes on for like another five hours and it's you know, going to be people in and out the whole time. So I'll just wait the storm out. And then it was just black and like looked out the windows and it was like, you know, the, the, the movie trope of porthole ship at sea and just like water <laughs> across it. Oh yeah. It was, it was some of that action. And uh, uh, had had getting into, like, pea-sized hail. Not hail that's, like, going to do hail damage, but, like, you know, significant chunks of ice coming from the sky. Enough and, to hurt. Uh, yeah. Being outside, it it, it had hurt some. And then uh, I just hear this, like, crack, boom, whoosh. And it's like, uh, okay. 
And I was sitting at the front of the house and I looked outside and there was a lot of green where there shouldn't have been green, you know? And uh, the the window that I have at the front of the house wasn't a good angle on, on what I was looking at because uh, it could have been, you know, anything from there. So I went upstairs and I looked out the window and uh, there was just the the f-150 truck and from the windshield forward all i could see was leaves on it and i was freaking out thinking that the tree from across the street maybe or maybe a big branch from my tree had fallen down and hit it and this is the same truck that just like six months ago or so i had to put a new windshield in and i was thinking well that was a 580 dollars expense on a 500 dollars freaking insurance claim Maybe this time I'll get my money's worth out of the insurance. And, uh, you know, Alfie's freaking out because that's her actually her daily driver. And so, like, as soon as it was no longer painful rain, she went outside, takes a look at it, comes back in, and it was like two inches from the front bumper was like a two and a half to three inch branch out of the whole tree from across the street that broke at the ground Ugh. and fell over. <laughs> and so it was fully across the street. You know, we've got a a 24-foot, I think, ish wide street, and it's two cars parked on either side, and two cars can pass, so that's a little bit more than that. It's probably more like 30. Anyway, um, enough street that, like, that's a whole street, and it was across the sidewalk on our side up, kind of the the tippy top of it was up, like, bordering on between the houses. Like, it would have, like, maybe brushed my siding if it had gone a little bit differently and fallen just a tiny bit further. Um, so yeah, so like took the car back to that, to a spot of the street that had no cars on either side of it, back the truck all the way out and then called the street department and they're like, yeah, okay, well, we'll put you on the list. Cause everybody's calling right now. Click. Um, <laughs> nice. And, and yeah. And so, uh, as soon as it stopped, like all the neighbors were standing around out there and it, you know a couple of people were like you got a chainsaw i don't got a chainsaw well i just got a little mini saw i'm like that's not getting through this the street department knows about it they'll come and take care of it and uh our street frequently gets used as like a, a rat run because there's a stoplight at like the uh block east and or a block west and a block north there's a stoplight that can sometimes take a long time so frequently people will turn on our street, like turn right and then turn left and then turn right rather than have to turn right at the light. And like in the 10 minutes we were all standing out there talking seven or eight people like come stop, drive a little bit further forward, take a look at it, realize there's a tree in the way and then do like an eight point turn to turn around and go the other way <laughs> just in time to have somebody else come and do that same thing. And everybody standing around was like, man, you need to put speed bumps or something in here. Yeah, that'd be really nice. Or one ways or something. Yeah, that'd be really nice. Spike um, strips. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so then we ended up going to uh, my brother and sister's graduation, dropped off their cards, ate, ate the did the walk and taco thing as quick as we could to just say like, hey, yeah, we were here. <laughs> Disease, bye. And then got back and they had two dump trucks and a... And a uh, backhoe and two dudes with big chainsaws and had the tree sectioned up and in the dump truck in 20 minutes. And then they were off to the next one. I was like, you guys want a drink or something? We got stuff. They're like, nope, don't even have the time. Bye. (laughs) Okay. And so now it's like, yowzers, there's, hmm. 
just just the idea of like yeah if if she'd parked the truck a little bit closer to where she normally does it would have hit it um the guy that lives across the street frequently will park his car nose to nose with the truck he's like yeah i parked around the corner for some reason last night i guess i know why now huh it's like why don't you keep parking around the corner yeah, that, that that would be nice too, because he parks like when I say nose to nose, it's not like hey he parks in front of it. It's like there's like three or four inches off the nose, and it's like you've got a nice car, we've got a jank ass F one fifty. Like <laughs> one of these is fine getting dented. Yeah, yeah, might just drive forward until it's easy to pull out. I don't know. Oh man, well I'm glad uh, that, that neighbors. I'm glad no one's hurt. Mm-hmm. Yes, because uh, falling trees is terrifying. Yeah, um, yeah, and I'm glad that you guys are staying safe uh, through that storm. That storm, I think, is born out of, or at least, if not born out of, related to some of the horrible weather systems we had up here uh, shortly before you got them. Uh, so it's Canada's fault, you're saying? Oh, it's, yeah. It's the next thing we send after the geese. Well, they're all they're all spreading infections back and forth. That's right. <laughs> um. Well, uh, hey, thank you guys for joining me uh, for this hey. special aeronautics episode of uh, WTFTFW, where we never did the thing and said, more like aeronautics. Because aeronautics. Yeah. I might just fall out of the spinning chair for that joke, Chris. That's the anime fall out of chair moment. Um, yeah. But yeah, I hope, uh, dear listeners, as, as I said, uh, you know, prior to this, I hope that you enjoyed that uh, kind of, f- I'm not going to say focused, but I'm going to say um, semi-focused discussion. Uh, I thought it was neat, and I, I don't have like a litany of those things built up in my head. This is the, that one is, is one that, that matches with some folks I know. So, uh, hey, I hope Hooray. you had a good time. And uh, hey, uh, Graham, thank you for coming by again. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, I, I might poke you at some point about race cars. Um, oh, oh, that's going to be an interesting one because I just know you're going to find many examples in Transformers history to make my brain twitch. I mean, I just got one right over in a what is it? The uh, the power chargers. I was trying to clean up the chrome on one of those like last year. He's still in a drawer next to me. Mm. Um, he's a guy where the front of his car. No, no, this that's the jet one I'm thinking of. One of them's also a car. But the, I'm thinking of the yeah. jet. I mean, yeah, there's yeah, the the aeronautic side, the jet one, where the nose cone is his two arms clasped together over top of his head. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, now, now you can get me started since the Formula One season finally started, and I'm full on in that mode, so you can make my brain twitch <laughs> even more. Uh, well, then, then by then you might have your, uh, you know, or at least you'll you'll be one step closer to having your entire car in your apartment and. Mm. Um, but yeah, thank thank you for coming by, lending your expertise, Aaron. Thanks for joining us to lend your expertise as well. Hey, uh, you're welcome. I had a question for you, actually. I forgot to ask. Um, okay, which is uh, uh, bouncing off the topic of using a helicopter rotor as a weapon. Is it oh, is it at all feasible to fly a helicopter sideways like a giant saw blade? Depends on what direction like, of the saw blade. Like you, you mean rotated? On its central axis, like ninety degrees. Yeah, yeah. Just so it's like you're a big flying saw blade. Uh, for it's just like anything not, aeronautics not sustainably. Related. Like, yeah, you can get some pretty high, like, uh, like up on the side for a little bit. You could do that, and frip. That's sometimes how they like 
can bank off if you got a lot of control you can it doesn't like to do it because reasons but yeah if you go into like a 1g turn you can physics it for a bit flying straight edge sideways and not quite as well as like you can with an aircraft it seems it seems like it seems like a way to deal with infantry would be to fly a helicopter at them so you just chop them up with the propeller blade. No, the other way, the way that you deal with infantry is the big guns that you have hanging out the side doors. Oh, uh, but what if you're an honorable swordsman and you want to? You yeah. don't want to use projectile weapons. Well, then, you're not using then, a sword anyway. Then the infantry on the ground will use their projectile weapons at you. <laughs> well, you're using... Chris, I'll say this. I'll say this. Like anything else in aeronautics that is based on one of your crazy ideas. Temporarily, it's possible. Yes. Oh, so, all right. So, I'm on to something. <laughs> good. Good. I should. Uh, I should uh, hit up my boy Dahir Insat. Get that thing. Uh, get that thing built. We never brought up uh, Dahir Insat this whole time, so I had to throw one in there at the end. Uh, um, you uh, also made it an entire podcast without making the joke that helicopters are fake. No, you just didn't see the air quotes when I said Aaron was a helicopter specialist way back at the beginning. Yeah, all right. Um, I was actually trying to go for audible air quotes, but no one, no one heard it, so I just I let it go. Uh, you, you didn't, you didn't inflect in your voice hard enough. It's difficult. It's, there's a lot of syllables in helicopter. Uh, he did enough damage by saying "die here in sot," and then I got. <laughs> I, lo- uh, I love what that things. did to you. That was just amazing. "Die here in sot" is a gift that keeps. <laughs> it's a gift that keeps giving. Uh, <laughs> It's almost as much as the is it cake. That's 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 some Transformers I also want to see. That's another <laughs> crossovers I want to see. The Die Here Insot Transformers line, uh, uh. where it's where it's like they also informing a robot they're trying to do some kind of complicated limb combination that just doesn't work. <laughs> the, they just kind of slap into each other like a wet noodle and fall on the and ground. then bounce off of each other because there's no interlocks, and then there's just like four <laughs> robot limbs and a torso lying in a pile. <laughs> being pulled by a train with a tether on the back or something like that. Uh well anyway, as I said, thank you all for listening and uh hey, uh take it easy. You know, we we are continuing on uh, through a very strange year and uh definitely the podcast Boy, howdy. The podcast has also certainly been in a strange state this whole time, but whatever, we're all still doing it. So uh huh. You know, stay safe. That's the main thing. Stay safe. Keep your head down. Don't take risks if you can avoid it. And uh, if you are in a job that is requiring you to take risks, I hope you can, amongst your workforce, level some action, like, say, a teacher strike. Wear a mask. Yeah, wear a mask. But Mm -hmm. also, like, for example, let's say you were to uh, want to participate in a teacher strike. I certainly hope you're able to do that because you probably should. Yeah. Safety is the key. So uh, until next time, we'll all talk to you later. Go!